Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share the episode. You can follow me on social media at Galen Trombley. I hope you enjoy the show. Greetings. Please hold for a very important message. Light speed sequence initiated. How may I help you? Bonjour. Security breach. The truth shall set you free. <laughs> awesome. It's a miracle. Mission complete. Thank you. Have a nice day. I told you, we just start, we just roll right in. So this is, uh, hello everybody, this is episode 211 of the Galen Trombley Show. My guest today is Elizabeth Pearl. She is the owner of Pearl Physical Therapy um, in Plattsburgh. And this first time I think you and I have formally met, but you came in and said that you like my wife, which I agree, I do like my wife too, but my wife also is a big fan of yours, and I believe... Um, I think this is long gone. I don't want to get you hit, but, but I think you worked on her knee at one point, right? Well, if she told you that, there's a great possibility okay. that might be the truth. She, 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 she said nothing but good things about you, and she said you knew your stuff, and she doesn't have very good knees, not because of you, but I think you probably maybe extended out the life of those knees. She ran them hard for a long time. They, they lived a good life, and hopefully they're still serving her well. <laughs> She, she can walk from point A to point B, but there's a little bit more uh, like groans and, and uh, nagging and she doesn't play, uh, she doesn't play soccer anymore. So she, I guess officially hung up the cleats, yep. but I think she'll be back full circle into the coaching, probably the, the little kids as they come up. So, so great. Yeah. So great. And with three little ones at home, she may not be playing soccer, but I bet you she's still running around quite a bit. Oh yeah. She's busy. She's on her feet and she's, uh, she's, she's doing well. She's keeping, she's keeping herself busy with with well, massage and then she's yeah. doing some other stuff right now with uh some coursework for coaching um well kind of like she's going for a master's degree on uh um sports psych and performance so awesome. it's kind of like it's like it all fits in everything she wants to do so she's she's a go-getter but she's uh yeah i just feel like we just add stuff to her life all right all the time and we just never give herself to a break but it keeps us it keeps us fun and entertained yeah. so elizabeth for people that do not know you who are you where'd you get your start Obviously, you have a, a very um, reputable uh, company locally and have been doing it for a while, but you know, give us kind of the whole background. So I grew up in Plattsburgh with uh, a large family of Irish Catholics. Uh, many of us live in the same neighborhood, so it was a fun upbringing up, uh, on the lake, playing with cousins uh, and playing in the mountains when we weren't in the water. Um, I'm one of six kids, so I'm number four in the lineup, which was fun. People older than me and people younger than me, and I was kind of having fun in the middle. Um, but I got interested in physical therapy when I was an athlete, I think maybe seventh or eighth grade, and um, I was playing basketball at St. John's, and I found myself uh, having some pain in my legs. And in my family, my mom was a nurse, so unless a bone was sticking out, nothing was broke, so you didn't need to go see a doctor. So I had some pain in my shins, and... I was limping around and my coach said to me, what's wrong? And I said, well, my legs kind of hurt. And he said, okay. And, and he said, well, okay, come sit here on the, on the bench. And I, I did what I was told. And I just sat and watched everybody play. And I loved the game of basketball. And I just kept watching everybody play. And so I looked at my coach in like an hour and I said, well, when can I go back and play? And he said to me, when your legs don't hurt anymore. And so I tried to run around and they still hurt. And so he told me I had to sit back down. And so I sat out for like a practice or two and and I just sat there and I kept thinking, I want to be on that court playing like everybody else was, but my legs were really hurting. 
So I would go home and just kind of think about how I could get back on the court. And at the time, physical therapy I know was around, but it wasn't as mainstream as it is today. And again, my bone wasn't broken, so I didn't go to a doctor. And I was number four of six kids, so I still had to get up in the morning and deliver the newspapers. Um, but I got really curious about how I could get back on the court. Um, and I think that curiosity led to a discussion with my mom, who was a nurse, about um, you know how you can get the body better. And she told me about physical therapy. So when I was a junior in high school, I volunteered at our local hospital. And I followed this really amazing nurse or a physical therapist around. It was really cool what I saw. So I applied to PT schools and got into a few of them. Um, I ended up getting back on the court in basketball, and, and I was grateful for that health or recovery, um, probably a little divine intervention and persistence on my part. But um, So I went to PT school um, at Russell Sage, and I was really interested in playing basketball, so I had a, a lot of fun and some success on the court, um, but I unfortunately didn't have so much success in the classroom. So my grades weren't so great, and... It was clear that I didn't have the academic performance to continue in the PT program, so um, I talked to the chair of the PT department, and she said, you know, basically, you're a lovely girl, and, you know, you seem to be doing well on campus everywhere except for the PT coursework. So she told me I could change my major to something else, or I could change schools, and I really was having fun playing ball, so I called my mother and my parents, and I said, Hey, just a heads up, um, I, I know you probably have to get dinner ready, but I'm just going to change my major and um, tell dad I love him. And my mother's like, what? And so we had this conversation, and, and I told her that, you know, my grades weren't as good as they needed to be to continue in the PT program, and, and the woman said I could just change major. So I got into sports medicine a little bit. My mother, the next day, scheduled an appointment with the chair of the PT department, and she was in academia at the time, and so these two brilliant women, women um, charted out a course for me to take an additional year of science courses and kind of prove myself worthy academically to continue on in the PT program. So I was going to make a four-year program into a five-year program. So, And they also um, kind of talked me into quitting the basketball team. So my junior year, I told the coach I wasn't going to play, and that wasn't, didn't go very well on her end or my end, but I you know, thought I better follow the advisement of my mother, who was a sage woman. And so I, I didn't play ball for like two weeks, and I was absolutely miserable, and I was not doing well in the classroom. And so I called my mother, and I said, I'm kind of dying a short, painful death here, and I needed to go get back on the court. So she, you know, we talked about I was going to have better study habits and whatever. And so I went back to playing ball and, and I didn't, um, I didn't, you know, get all the A's that I needed, but I got a degree in biology in four years and I got into athletic training, which was a real curiosity of mine because I was an athlete. Um, so I graduated from Russell Sage and did some work in athletic training at RPI. And then I spent the next four years retaking science courses to get A's and everything that I didn't have an A in because the PT programs are pretty competitive uh, from a GPA standpoint. So I kept applying to schools and getting rejected, applying and rejected, and then a few more years of applying and rejected because my GPA wasn't high enough. So, and then I would work full time and worked as a chemist for a while. And I cleaned a food truck one summer and just had some really neat, interesting jobs. I painted houses for a while and I just kept waiting to get back into PT school. So I moved down to Baltimore with my partner at the time and um, just did a bunch of side hustles, worked in a PT clinic, kept applying to schools and kept badgering schools to try to figure out, you know, how I could get in. So by the grace of God, University of Maryland, uh, agreed that my GPA was finally high enough. I got into PT school 
And I almost failed out again. And so I thought, oh my gosh, this is my worst nightmare coming true. So um, I, you know, called my mother and she had to talk with me like she did 10 years prior of, uh, you know, what I needed to do. And and she wrote me this, this little note and it said, what you have to do right now isn't easy. There's nothing easy about what you have to do. So you need to work hard, work very, very hard, and then work harder. And so I did. And I was never the brightest bulb on the Christmas tree. I was never the smartest kid in the classroom, but I learned to work really hard. So right before um, graduation, my, uh, my graduate class at University of Maryland was voting on what the, um, what the graduation ceremony was going to be like. And they, you know, they had the valedictorian that was going to speak, and certainly that was not me. And they had the salutatorian that was going to speak. And they also, it was tradition to have a student speaker. And so we voted, the 44 of us voted on, should we have a student speaker or not? And, we, you know, and I was adamant, like, no more listening to anybody talk. Let's just get our degrees and move on. And, the, and I was in the minority, and so the class voted to have a student speaker, and they voted me. And I thought, oh, dear Lord, I've got the worst sad story there is. But it made me realize that sitting on the sidelines and failing and then failing again taught me some things that were really helpful in life. So, so, for, for, so what was the time frame on this? So I got like my, when you finally graduated from PT school. How old were you? Uh, thirty years old. I graduated in two thousand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, right? It took me a little while. Wow. So you you were at this, you were at this for twelve years. Yeah. Again, I told you not the brightest bulb on the Christmas well, tree. Right? I, well, I, I'll be honest. The uh, I'll, I'll ask you some questions on that, but that that's not even my big takeaway on it. Is the fact that I mean, you just said from the time that you were a seventh. Seventh, yeah. or seventh grade, seventh, yeah. seventh grade. So you're 13 years old. I mean, you went almost, arguably, fifth, 18 years with this. I mean, and you're still doing it. But I'm yeah. saying, most kids don't know what they want to do, and some adults don't know what they want to do until later <laughs> in life. And the right. fact that you were, you know, this maybe 12, 13, 14 year old girl, like I want to do PT. Yeah. And you just never steered from that path. Yeah. Well, I I really just knew I wanted to help other people when they found themselves on the sideline, I wanted to give them a solution of how do you get back into the game? Whether the game was basketball or knitting with their friends or playing with their grandchildren. It was a real big thing for me in life because no one told me how to get off the sidelines and with the exception of when it doesn't hurt anymore. And I think that's what we knew back then. And so I really just kept becoming more curious about how to do that. and. And the challenging part for me was that I never felt like a smart enough kid. And then, you know, when I would get my grades, it, you know, they weren't as, as good as some of my other colleagues. But I just, I guess I never lost hope that I could do that. And then the other funny story, one of my mentors, when I worked on athletic training, um, his wife was a physical therapist and she would write letters of recommendation for me. So two years in a row, she wrote me letters while I did this, this athletic training work in and uh, my mentor said to me, who was an athletic trainer, he said to me when I failed again or didn't get in, he looked at me in the eye and he said, Elizabeth, he said, did you ever think maybe you're not smart enough to be a PT? And I just kind of paused and I looked him dead in the eye and I said, no, 
Where, where do you think that comes from? Just being the fourth kid and of, of fourth of six or just kind of maybe not getting stuff handed to you as a kid and not, not in a bad I, way, but just yeah. like, you know, like you I, said, like I you're one of six, you're in a you know, different generation of like, you know, there's the, there wasn't as much entitlement back then. It was more like, Hey, no, if you want it, just like your mom said, work harder. Yeah. Like it's hard, work harder. Yeah. You know? And I think that's, she did. Yeah. It was, we grew up in a family of like, you know, well, you said also Irish Catholic family. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that's my background too. Right. And I, so I, yes. Yeah. You know how that goes. So it was, it was a, you know, I grew up in a hardworking family and everybody had jobs. And again, we all delivered the paper route, which now, um, you know, I realized like the winters are cold in Plattsburgh, New York. And, you know, most teenagers don't want to get out of bed at five o'clock so they can catch the bus at seven or whatever. But it was, um, it was a really great, uh, upbringing of learn how to work and don't make excuses when you don't get what you want just keep going after it what what was your and i I, you know i kind of i follow a lot of you know whether it's business or self-help or all these kind of um, things there's always this common mantra they always say like what's your why or like why do you do it and i think there i think for you what has been your why since you were a little girl because to me the fact that you've you've stayed on that path since you were 13 most kids they ch- they change what they want to be in life pretty much every few months. Right? right. So, what do you think your why was then, or what what struck a chord with you back then that really hasn't you you haven't relinquished? Um, my why, you know, really what motivates me now is helping people live their healthiest life. So, as a kid, I didn't know how that was, and then in school we learn a little bit about that, but I also learn you know a lot about how to dig deep when things are difficult and I know what it's like to fall down and get up and then fall down again. So my, my why, you know, the, the, again, the things that motivate and drive me are find someone that has half of a motivation to do something and then help them spark that motivation and learn how to ground themselves from their feet all the way up through their ankles and their knees and their thighs you know, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and, and then really bring it into the brain of like, you can do anything. How are you as an athlete? Fair to Midland. But so if you, if you were, so, and again, I, I played athletics and I think, um, you know, and I coached for a while. There was all, you know, you kind of get, there's, I mean, there's really four. I'm not going to, I mean, there's kids that are unmotivated and aren't skilled. I mean, there's those kids, but I'm going to go beyond. There's like, Yep, as you know, you have the skilled and you have the motivated. Um, and tonight, the skilled and the motivated—if they blend together—you have an all-star. You, yeah. I mean, you have a really special uh, person. Um, personally, I always fell into not the most skilled, but worked hard, and I—I I, I feel like I tapped into a good amount of my potential. My my ceiling wasn't as high as most most kids that I played with. But I got very close to my max, which I always was very proud of. And I, I think, and I still do that today. Like, I don't think I'm the smartest person. I don't think, you know, I kind of go back to just good old fashioned, you know, persistence, work hard. And, yeah. you know, and you try to get better. But I think the idea is improving, but putting the time and effort into it. So, like, were you that kind of, like, because you're that kind of person, it sounds like. Were you that kind of athlete, too? So, I... You know, in, in this area, I was on all-star basketball teams. I was section seven winners in the pool. I was a halfway decent runner. Um, I loved to challenge myself, like physically 
and emotionally, um, and I'm not necessarily sure if it's in that order, but, um, and then I went to college and I played, you know, I started for four years as a freshman and, you know, at a small D3 school. So that was decent. Um, a couple of years, this is funny, when I was working in Baltimore, I got an email from the athletic director at Russell Sage, which is where I did my undergrad, and they invited me um, to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, and I, and it was on April 1st when I got this email, and I thought, oh my God, this is like a bad joke, because yeah. I almost <laughs> failed out of school there, and now the AD is like talking, and so I didn't respond to the email, because I, I thought it was an April Fool's joke, like someone in admissions or a buddy of mine, alum, is, is like yanking my chain, so I didn't respond to it. And then she emailed me again. And of course, like they didn't have my contact information because I felt like kind of a loser, you know, academic performance. And so they reached out to me two or three other times and they said, you know, the induction is this date. Are you coming? And I was like, oh, my God, are you serious? So I I called my family and I was like, hey, I think there's something going on at Sage if if like to my parents, you know, if you want to go. And and so my partner went up um, and it it ended up not being a joke. So um, I guess I did. okay. Yeah. Well, I, I, so I guess going, you know, kind of tying some of the stuff together, like when you, um, she kind of talked about the grades and stuff like that. And I think the person that asked you, like, are you just not smart enough to do it? I, I think that, um, you know, you just had that persistence of like, this is my goal. I'm going to stick with it to the very, like the bitter end. Did you find like, cause one thing too, like you said, you stopped, like, did you stop playing basketball and still got in the hall of fame? So I only stopped playing basketball for two weeks and I was, I was miserable. And, and I, and my mom, you know, my parents needed that. Yeah, I did need that. And, and it was great because I went back and, and I had a lot of fun playing and it was part of who I was. So, you know, it's kind of like telling someone don't breathe anymore because there's no oxygen. So anyways, my, my parents are, have always been an incredible support for me and, and um, my mom said, okay, well, you got to do what you got to do. And, it, and I wasn't failing out of school. I just wasn't, you know, I didn't have the academic performance, which was a 3.0 at the time or 3.2 maybe at Sage to be in the PT program. So I, you know, I got a bio degree and there was no shame in that, but I felt horrible shame that I wasn't smart enough. I didn't feel smart enough do, to, to get into the well, PT do you program. Think, uh, do you think you're not, use the term like smart enough or you didn't academically perform well enough? Because I think- true. Yeah, because yeah. I, I think um, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of people that don't perform. Act- I mean, how many how many college dropouts have gone on to do, or high school dropouts have gone on to do incredible things? And I think that, yeah. you know, r- realistically, and, and this is, and I was a, you know, I when I went to school too, um, you know, my idea of like once you get through high school was like grades, grades, grades. And I, you know, I think, uh, yeah, the last person I had on was uh, Cliff, and he's an electrician. And we talked about the trades, and we talked about different things like, when I was a kid, like anybody that went to like CV tech for trades was not considered smart. Not, yeah. and they weren't like a dummy. It's just yeah. like, oh, you can't stick out the right. upper level science and math. So yeah. you're taking that, you're going out and, 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 uh, learning how to weld. Well, now I'm like, okay, I'm the loser because I wish I had that skill <laughs> right, set right, and, right. and amongst many other things that CV tech produces, but, um, or offers. Um, but a lot of those there, it's not that they're, it's like, you got to find something that you really want to do. And do you find, obviously you've had success in the professional world that did you know, like as, as long as I can get that damn degree, like I'm just going to be off to the races. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, because when I got into clinical settings, like I, I knew how to talk to people and I knew how to empathize and I knew how to push them because mm-hmm. I had done that my whole life. And 
you know, my academic career and my athletic, you know, um, experiences. So I knew, I knew the people stuff. I just needed to know the technical things. I needed to be able to remember them, recall them. Like I could look at a body and say, okay, we're going to work here. And again, a lot of PT is, is just connecting with people. So I think, you know, that was, um, that was something I did really well and something I love doing. So, um, I think I just stuck with it because I knew at the end I was going to be good. Well, when you, you know, and I guess this is, uh, no, I'm going to use my wife as an example. So my wife does massage therapy. Like she's actually very knowledgeable of all the body parts and mm-hmm. A and P and all that stuff. But arguably when she's working on somebody, she's not regurgitating terms like that. She just knows what she's doing and like my, this hurts. And she's like, okay, I know what to do to, you know, yeah. fix that problem. At the really end of the day, that's all you need to know. Like nobody's like, it's not like I pull out a sheet and like, Hey Gina, guess what? Today you're taking a test on like, do you yeah. know what that bone's called? Right, right. Or ligament or, or right. a muscle. Um, so do you find that like you follow that same, like at your day to day, I mean, you're, do you need to really know that stuff in this, in the sense, like the scientific part of it? Or it's like, Hey Elizabeth, my knee's having problems. And like, yep, I know how to help you. Yeah. So I think, um, again, for me or the way I kind of think about best health and healing is like to really understand who is the person that's in front of me. Why are you there? How do you, how did you get here? You know, like, Oh, I always slouch in my chair. I, oh, oh, I played, you know, college soccer like, like Gina did. Mm-hmm. And, um, so being a good listener and a good analyzer, it's kind of like a Sherlock Holmes of listen to people, learn their patterns, and then know enough about the body that you know how to adjust behavior, you know, modify patterns that might not be serving them well, and then motivate them to change because that's the hardest part. I was going to say, do you find it's like anything else, like you're giving them a template or you're giving them a program to follow, knowing that if you just do it, you'll get what you want. It's that like building that habit. This is anything like yeah. I'm, I'm dealing with it right now in my personal life of like not working out. And now I'm actually doing very good. I'm at, this is week three of consistently working out. So I'm actually getting back into work. I used to work out a lot, getting back into it. Do you find that that's the hardest part is to get people just into the habit? Yeah. Like once yeah. they're in the so, habit, they go. So I think in terms of like a lot of, a lot of us talk about wanting better habits, like, right. You mm-hmm. want to work out more. I might want to, I don't know do whatever you have to have a strong enough why like for me to become a PT I had a super strong passionate why Mm -hmm. so that's why every time someone said no I found another route so no is just a not yet to me and when you have a strong enough passion for your why you you will get that goal and you might not be perfect at it every day but that is always the carrot and so you will always go after that and if you don't, like, you know, for you with the fitness thing, if you're like, well, my body's fine, I've got this great wife, or I had my kids, you know, it doesn't matter, mm-hmm. you're going to fall off that road. So again, part of what I love to do is figure out people's why. Because when I can learn that, that is like a power tool. Why well, I, I, like, and like my personal experience, like, I worked out a ton and, and, uh, you know, naturally with kids and then just your time getting crunched. It's, it's one of the things you let slip, you know, and, and I'm human like everybody else. And it always seems like the last thing, the most important thing to do is take care of yourself first. But the first thing we neglect is taking care of ourselves. So yeah. my, you know, I was like wanting to do it, wanting to do it. And you always hear like, you're not going to do it until it's strong enough. You know, it's like anything else. Like I really want to work out. I'm like, okay, great. Everybody wants to, everybody wants to, right, right. but I, I ended up like, I was getting stiffer. I was getting sore. I was just feeling like just gross compared to how I used to feel because I always felt like good and uh I ended up getting really sick about a month ago to the point like I went and this wasn't like I 
I, but I had to go to the doctors. I had to actually like get a nebulizer. I needed like a steroid to help me. Like I had this like I think it was like RSV. I think it was yeah. for the kids. But I got slammed much harder than I normally would have. And I'm like, I know exactly why. And I said at the end of the day, my why was a mixture of I was getting fed up of it, but then I was also like, I got I got three little kids, yeah. and like the last thing I want to do is be like. The, the dad that's huffing and puffing when they want to go play something. Yeah. And like, I can keep up with them now, but right. a couple of years from now, they'll be running circles around yeah. me. So in my head, it's like, I'm past the, the, uh, younger age of like, I want to do all these like feats of fitness. Yeah. Now I'm like, you know what? I just want to be healthy and I want right. to be good. I like playing golf. I like skiing. Yep. Like I just want to enjoy life and my kids. Yeah. But it wasn't until I was like, okay, I'm really like slipping down this not healthy path. Yeah. That was my, and that was enough of a motivation to say, okay, as soon as you can breathe again, which it took about two weeks before I could get over all that crap, um, I've been consistently doing it. And, you know, and I think, but the why for me was strong enough to the point where, you know, I kind of joke, like I sat myself down and gave myself a, like a stern talking <laughs> to, but I kind of did mentally in my head yeah. of like, you gotta get your, you gotta basically get your crap together right. because, you know, it's not, and it's not just like you, Galen, and it's you, three little kids, a wife, you know, yeah. obviously, as you know, like when you work out. Um, you, you're mentally sharper and like I do a lot, you know, whether a business or whatever with my mind and like your body helps your mind and all that. So yeah. you talk about spirituality and, and mental yeah. and physical mind and stuff. And yeah. It's a big deal. And, and kids are such a great motivator because especially if your children are active, because then, you know, you want to be active with them when they're doing little league stuff and then they get to be bigger, you know, better athletes. So then you got to elevate your game. And yeah. so physiologically your body could be declining while theirs is like soaring. Peaking, so, yep. yeah. So that's been a fun thing for me. We have, um, soon to be 17 year old twins and they're, you know, extraordinary kids and super active. You know, we play in the water a lot and we ski up at Whiteface and we love to travel. And, and my why is like, let me still keep up with them. So it's in at 53, it's a whole lot harder, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's a motivating force because I love to be with them and we just have a ton of fun and we experience, you know, a lot of cool things because I'm still fit and active and, and healthy. And I remember one, a couple of years ago, I was going to run a 10 K, um, like the Oktoberfest in Peru. And I was kind of lamenting in the car and my son, my family was with me my kids and my wife. And, and I said, Oh my God, a six, you know, 6.2 miles. I haven't run anything more than three miles and blah, blah, blah. And I was like kind of ranting. And my son, who was maybe like 12 at the time, he's like, mom, 6.2 is just three, three times or twice what you do. He goes, you can do that. And I was like, you're right. Simple math. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Just do it twice. And, and it's funny, like, because I do learn so much from my kids and, and the people around me, like, you know, and, and I'm really mindful about the words I use, like intentional language, like, and not putting ceilings on, on where I want to go in life. Like I want to be extraordinarily successful so I can teach other people how to get off their bench. Yeah. And, and how to figure out how not to get on the sidelines and why that's so valuable. Like the way, you know, it feels in our mind and our body. Like, again, when you were sidelined with some respiratory things, like you had your come to Jesus moment and you're yeah. like, I got to get it together, man, because I don't have time for this. Yeah. And, and that, that really was what it was. And I think, um, like you said, we, I mean, just like look at the kids and how they're doing stuff and they're, you know, they're starting, they're, I mean, I was telling you yesterday, I'm like, you're seeing our oldest, like, he's like a little person, yeah. you know, and he's like a little, you know, I mean, he is, but he just like in your mind, like, God, it's almost five years that he's been yeah. um, around with us, but he's now like running around. He's, I mean, he looks like he's, they're climbing up on the table and they're diving into the cushions and mm -hmm. I mean, they're just being kids mm -hmm. and they're like, 
like, oh my God, like even a year ago, he was like too timid to jump off the couch, let alone yeah. off his chair. And like, so, but you're watching them develop. And, and to me, it, it's fun to, um, you know, see that. And like you said, with the idea of uh, intentional language, I find that I'm more aware of that too, where they might say like, hey, I want to do this. I'm like, yeah, you should do that. Uh-huh. You can do that. Yeah, yeah. Like, you don't want to sit there and say like, like, I think you said something about like, I want to be an astronaut. I'm like, I hope you do. Right, like that's right. really cool. Like yeah. space is cool. And yeah. and I think, you know, and it could obviously be on a big scale like that, but it could even be some something um small that they do every day. And I'm like, no, you can do that. Yeah. And I think that like my daughter goes to um gymnastics and uh, it, I mean it's like a, I mean it's very ent- entry level for gymnastics and the, I think they call it tumble tots and it, it's cute, but like I went the other day for the first time with her. Usually Gina goes, she was out of town, so I got to go and uh, you know, one of the things she like didn't do the first time, which is like, whatever, you know, I'm just supportive. I'm like, I, I don't, yeah. I'm not a pushy parent. Right, I'm like right, you right. just do your thing. Yeah. So then she gets done and she's like, I want to go, I want to go try the thing that she was scared of doing. She went back and she did it. And I was like, Hey, that, Hey, that's awesome. Yeah, and, right? and she kept saying the rest of the day, like I did really good at gymnastics. So I'm like, yes, so you did. Great. But it's cool when they see that, but it's, you yeah. know, I think a lot of it, you said it's like that intentionalness and then trying to, obviously the physical part of life. Yeah. Um, like we've always said, we don't really care if they play sports you know organized sports yeah. but they have to stay physical yeah yeah and, that, and that, of course that's the thing it's like i don't want to be hypocritical and be like you work out but mm-hmm. dad's gonna sit here and be mm-hmm. a, a slug you yeah know? yeah right so that's kind of i think a lot of it too and and my other at least in our family like gina is still very active gina works yeah. out almost every day so yeah. like i always say like well my wife's gonna be you know in shape <laughs> i'm gonna be in shape too because right, i right. don't want to be like yeah i don't want to be like hey, i am with it i'm with that dude and they like, can't so. push you in the stroller in 10 years <laughs> correct when well, i don't want and she's older than me too right. so i'm like uh-huh. it'd be really embarrassing uh-huh. if she's pushing me in, in the stroller so um so in regards to like your own um let's say health and fitness like what what do you try to do every day or how have you kept because you're in very good shape i mean you look like you're in very good shape you 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 sit up way better than i do i gotta work my posture <laughs> i actually got a cool chair i'll have you look at later that's like one oh, of the, yeah, those like a, are cool. It's almost like a ball. Like yeah, yeah. you're sitting on like, um, yeah. a medicine ball. Have you seen those chairs? Before? I have. Did someone locally make that? Um, no, they're out of Burlington. Okay. The local, the, there's a person locally that helps him with the marketing that he gave that to me yeah. and it's incredible. I think we've tried that before. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. It's very cool. I tried doing a podcast once uh-huh. and I don't know if I got through the entire podcast because it is like... It, you have to work at it. It's like sitting on a medicine ball yeah. the whole time, but uh-huh. it, it's almost a little bit more. Yeah. And like, and it feels great when you get done, like yeah. oh, my back feels yeah. good, but... Yeah, yeah, So, sorry, but your own physical... Yeah, like, so... Like, how do you do it? So, what are my health habits? So, I am challenged like you, like trying to... Knowing how important it is for me to stay fit and active but out of the list of like 50 things I might want to do in a day me working out ends up to be 49 or 51 at times <laughs> um, but one thing I started doing a couple of years ago was um, and my good friend Marianne Lefave, who I know you guys know uh, yep. um, she taught me about this tool called beamer therapy and it's a beamer is an acronym that stands for bioelectromagnetic energy regulation And basically it's this really fancy mat that improves microcirculation in the body. And anyways, long story short, uh, over three and a half years ago, I started using that and I have found that to be an incredible resource to help support my best wellness. 
So my routines in the morning are, I get up at O Dark Hundred. I think this morning God woke me up at 3.30 because I had a few things he wanted me to do. And um, (laughs) (laughs) so I do do a meditation in the morning or I listen to a meditation app and I lie on my beamer and I just kind of get into my zone. And um, it's really great sacred time for me because I'm not on my phone. No one's calling for me. I don't feel compelled to run the vacuum, which is good because at 3.30 in the morning that wouldn't make many friends in my house. Um, so I do that. And, and uh, although I dream about working out in the morning, I usually get on my laptop and do work for a few hours. I start seeing clients at 6.30 in the morning um, and do that for a fair bit of my day. So right now I try to get a workout in in the afternoons or sometimes after dinner. Um, but it's a real challenge. And, and so for me, what I love to do, I love that I can be physically active during my workday. Um, I'm always kind of moving, like I'm that crazy soccer mom that's doing lunges or I'm, you know, watching a soccer game and a plank. And my wife is like, oh my God, you look like a nut job. And like at the game or yeah, on TV? No, like if we're at a, you've been to soccer games, yeah. you're just there forever. So if I like looked over at the sideline, I see you doing a plank? Yeah, well, no, now I'm, I'm probably, you know, <laughs> stretching my quads. I'm like, really? I just try to do it whenever I can. I don't do it in church because that's very obvious, <laughs> but like anywhere else, like lunging up through, like yeah, through the procession. Yeah. yeah. Right. Or like windmills with my arms or whatever. Cause I don't get enough opportunity to move as much. <laughs> I know. So now if I ever see you in public and, and I'm doing something, I'll, I'll like, know where you are. Oh, yeah, exactly. Right. I'm the crazy. That's... Everybody's staying away from you. That's... Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, so um, I like to run on occasion. Um, in the summer, we're on the lake. Any chance that the lake uh, supports that? So I love to water ski. Um, and we started wake surfing a couple of years ago, and that's a lot of fun for me. I find I find that's the one on the back of the boat, like right in the wave. Yeah, the wake. Yeah, like, so we do it with a rope, but we don't have a, a nautique ski boat. We have some friends that have that, and um, it's it like those are super fun. I love to find friends that are more talented than me athletically, and, yeah. and I'm grateful. There's a bunch of them, Plattsburgh, that love to play on the water. So, you know, we kind of send this text chain out. Okay, here's where we're going, and we just show up, and my kids love it because we just pack a cooler and we play on the water all day. Um, and then in the wintertime, we, we ski at Whiteface when the kids don't have basketball practices or games. And, you know, it, it really just the play for me, that's probably that's one of my core values, like find ways to engage and play every day because mm-hmm. we teach our children how to do that when they're young. And then in high school, you learn to do that. If you're gifted, you, you get to do that in college. And most people play sometime into their early 20s, but in their 30s, 40s and 50s, that often goes away. But um, that is such a, a hallmark of who I am inside. So I just love to find opportunities to play. So, so your default would be play over like a, like a formal working out. I really like both, but, um, the, the play part for me, especially if, you know, if it's in the wintertime, I, our, our kids, we ski together with our kids mm-hmm. and friends. So gathering with families that are like-minded again with activity is something again, really meaningful to me. Um, because in high school you watch your children play and you drop them off and until they're state driving you're you're like this eternal bus driver or taxi or uber and you just don't get tipped very well to do yes. that but i always tell jen i'm going to get her an uber uber uh uber jen uber mom <laughs> a bumper sticker for her car yeah. because she's like she goes all i do is drive around exactly yeah yeah so so i love to play because it's fun and you engage with other people i do also love a really good workout 
when that's done mm-hmm. during it, I feel like I'm dying a slow, painful death. We got a Peloton a couple of years ago and, and it's a love hate relationship with some of these <laughs> trainers, but, um, it feels really good to be coached again. And so something actually we're doing in our clinical practice now is we're evolving our PT practice into what's called lifestyle medicine. And so that's a philosophy where you use exercise as medicine to help the body work, work in its best, uh, best health. So we hired an exercise physiologist, Kim Sweener, uh, a few weeks ago, and she has put all of us on this exercise kind of plan. And, you know, I get these, these, um, emails from her with my workouts and I just like cringe, like, Oh my God, not again, but it's awesome. Like when it's done, you just feel so good. And we have some fitness markers that we track individually, um, and so for me, I, I love those things that I can look objectively about where I am, you know, can I still slalom water ski? Can I still ski the top of white face without fear and anxiety? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so those revolve around play, but I know that I need to prep my body to be able to do that. So that's where the workouts come in. Well, well, uh, the play aspect. So I, I actually picked up skiing a couple years ago more regularly nice. because I only went a couple times like in high school and, uh, so I have a couple, you know, buddies that we go up in, and uh, the, when you talk about play, I didn't, I worked out up to that point, and workouts fun. Like I, you know, we, at the time I had been going to uh, CrossFit for like ten years, and loved it. It was fun. It was there was an element of play to it, but I found that the I was an athlete my whole life, so the spot the spontaneity of working out is not really there yeah. as much as spontaneity of going down, a, you know, a oh, white face. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's something that I miss where it's amazing. When we go into Whiteface, we typically go early. We're on like the first chair before it's been all skied off. Yeah. And especially when it's not busy because we go middle of the week. Right. And we only, we probably only ski for about two hours. Yeah. Because we're back usually to work by, by noon. Uh-huh. But for the two hours, there's a smile on all our faces. Oh, yeah. And then you get done and yeah. you have like a mixture of like your mixture of sore, mixture of sweaty, mixture yeah. of like but you feel loose, but I don't, it's, it's tough to, there's nothing that I've ever done that replicates that feeling, at least in adulthood. Mm -hmm. And I find that when we get done the whole ride back, I mean, you know, about an hour ride back to Plattsburgh and you're just on cloud nine and and, and it's, it's, I don't know. It's just a really cool feeling. And it's, it's almost like a, it's like a natural, it's like a natural high or drug that you just like, when you go, you're like, God, I just want that like fresh mountain air. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean that to me that, that falls in the play, but then like you get a workout, I have, Mm -hmm. you know, have the play. Yeah. Um, but I do, I would say like when I was going and I was working out and doing it, I could go down from top to bottom without having to stop, like Mm -hmm. really without having to stop because my legs were, you know, in good shape. And then I realized like last year when I wasn't actively working out, like like, no, no, I'll stop at the next hill and to get <laughs> right, a breather because right. my uh-huh. quads are burning. Yeah. And, um, and that was part of it too, where I'm like, I don't like this feeling. Like I like the feeling of right. being fit. I like the feeling of muscles not aching and, and also injury, injury prevention. I mean, my muscles are stronger and I'm not, yeah. um, at, at risk because again, I'm not the best skier. So I will tumble a couple times, you know? So mm-hmm. I, it's nice when you can tumble and not be hurt. Totally. Yeah. Uh, but, but the, the skiing, the high from skiing to me in my, like everything that I do is unmatched. Yeah. I don't, can you replicate that any other way or do you think it's a standalone thing? No. So skiing is so remarkable, especially at white face. Like you, you, you take that last chair up. And I remember when my kids were little and they always wanted to go faster, higher. And I was like scared, uh, you know, beyond measure. And, but one of the things I've, I've really always tried to do is like face my fear and don't let the kids see it. Um, 
So my son talked us into going up and I remember vividly being on the chair with him and we're like climbing and climbing and it says, oh, now you're higher than Mount Snow. So now you're higher than like Kilimanjaro. I'm like, what the? I was like, <laughs> and I just found myself like praying, becoming a woman of like great faith again, thinking, oh dear God, please help me get up this mountain safely. And I would always take a selfie. The first time I do that, and I still do this to this day and it drives my kids crazy. We get to the top and I take a selfie and I'm like, mom, really? And I was like, no, because if this is the last time I'm ever up here, there's going to be one amazing photo at our funeral, at my funeral. <laughs> and, um, but it's just like the, the trees are, you know, bright and, and like vibrant and the snow is, is hopefully, you know, pretty decent and you can go fast or slow and whatever. And, and just like you said, if you're with other people that have like-minded interests, it's super fun. Even if you fall, in the, cause there's such an exhilaration of going down and well, when you, yeah, when you talk the summit at, at Whiteface, like when I've gone up there a couple times and again, I, it's not like I ski. I mean, if I get up there six times a year, I'm happy, but uh-huh. you know, every once in a while I'll get up there like once or twice a year and it is so clear yeah. and you can see for miles yeah. and it's just, and I remember one time going up and if, I don't know if you know, um, Adam Crosley at all, he's a good buddy of mine and we, we will go skiing and he's a much better skier and he's kind of like self-trained reckless like his his thing is like which way do we go he goes down that's yeah, what he always right. just says like uh-huh. we'll figure it out so we went up one time and the gondola was closed because it was kind of windy and i i did not know the mountain that well we skied all over the place and went down so many cool trails yeah. that i had never seen but yeah. it had just snowed and it was clear as could be yeah and it was the prettiest thing because you would go down and ski through and like every branch was covered with like fresh snow and the powder was there yeah and and again, I, I like skiing. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm like a, you know, a massive regular there, but when you go through like that powder and that, just like that, That's it would make so anybody exciting. smile totally. and, and you can't wipe a yeah. smile off your face. Cause right. you're just like, this is so cool. Yeah. Um, but I will say most of the time that I do go skiing, I am very focused because my skill level is not to the point where I can't, mm-hmm. I can kind of just like take it for granted. Yeah. And last year was the first time I went down skyward. I went down once, I think like three times in one day. And for me, that was a big hill to climb because the first time I went to Whiteface, yeah. unbeknownst to me, I went down it with uh-huh. Adam and some other people. Uh-huh. And I just like, it was bad. Like right. I fell hard and uh-huh. it was to the point where like it scared you. And, yeah, you, and yeah. I was like, I had probably 30 at the time, yeah. which, you know, maybe late 20s. But it was enough to put a fear in me. Like I don't really want to go down it. And then I just went down. I'm like, you know what? I got over that fear. And I, right. that, I actually, which was funny, this was last year. So here I am at like 30, I don't know, one, 32 years old in my head. I was like, Good job. I was like pepping myself yeah. up. I was yeah, like, you and like nobody else cared. Right. And in my head, I'm like, oh my God, that was like a big victory for me. It's a big win. Yeah. And, and again, huge. as adults, we don't get a lot of opportunities where you push yourself past that, like, ooh, I'm kind of uncomfortable. But then you've got a buddy with you that's like, no, we're doing it. We're going down. Yeah. And when you just like have faith, I always say, like, you know, it's the fake it till you make it. Have faith in someone else that they've got faith you can do it. Oh, totally. And probably <laughs> won't die. That, you know, that's how, that's how we grow. And then you get to put your hands up in the air, just like the little kid that like, you know, runs their first quarter mile, like, whoa, and everyone's cheering. It, well, yeah. and, 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 and well, I was talking about my daughter doing the, the somersault thing that she didn't want to do before. And I was proud about her. I was like, I was the same going down, which yeah. is funny. We had, right, right. obviously relative to what we were doing, but it was uh, really cool. And, yeah. um, I mean the, the, the other part of the story is I ended up falling on the next one down. It was another <laughs> right. trail for me. I was new, but I'm like, that's fine. I'll tackle yeah. that next year. Yeah. Like we got, we got one off the list. Totally. Just keeps us humble. Uh-huh. 100%. <laughs> um, so now back to what you had said before with the new person that came on and you said it was, it was lifestyle medicine. That was the term, yeah. the correct term. So, yep. 
number one, you obviously have a community of people doing it and you have the accountability factor. Does that factor in a, like, how does that factor into the PT world with you with clients? Yeah. So, so we're, so pro physical therapy is still a PT practice as people have known it to be. Um, but what I've realized as I've kind of studied health and healthcare, and especially during the pandemic, when, um, a bunch of people in healthcare kind of just stopped practicing in this area or they moved out of the area or they became traveling practitioners mm -hmm. or, or doctors or nurses, whatever, for other areas that, you know, it's a, it's a tough job, um, physically, mentally, especially during the pandemics, we were not people that could work from home very easily. Um, so I, I was really searching for better options to serve people's help serve people's or support people's best health. And, and I've been following, um, models in different parts of the country of, of things called like lifestyle medicine or medical fitness or medically oriented gyms. They're all the same, um, concept, just different names. And, and what I realized was in physical therapy, like people come to us cause they have shoulder pain or they've had a knee surgery or, or they've injured. And there's so many comorbidities that, that help, um, or, or that don't support people's best health. You know, when you have an extra 50, 70 pounds on your body, that takes a lot of toll on all your systems, your joints in particular and your muscles, but also your cardiovascular systems, you know, and, and everything inside of us. And so what I realized was, you know, in, in PT, we're movement people and sometimes people are not able to move because they hurt or they're afraid or their heart races really fast. Um, so as I studied and learned from different people across the country um, about how lifestyle medicine can be implemented into a PT practice, it really kind of seemed like our next um, best step. So um, I started working with a group uh, called Pinnacle um, Lifestyle Medicine out in Seattle, and I went out there with our clinic director, Justin Charland, uh, about six months or so ago, and I started modeling or looking at you know how they implemented this in their communities. And then um, we, we started working together, and they've taught us about how to do that. So we've started to um, put, put um, things in place to implement that into our practice. And it's a really nice uh, kind of holistic, supportive way of, of supporting people's best health. So, you know, someone that's overweight knows they're overweight because their pants are tight and they keep buying bigger pants, and the number on the scale is big. And when they go see their physician, hopefully annually, the doctor talks sometimes or physician talks about you know, weight and blah, blah, blah. But, but there's no real implementation people to help with that. Sometimes people go to gyms and they don't feel comfortable. They don't know what to do, or they start working out and something hurts. And then they say, Oh God, this, this exercise thing is bad. That's what hurts me. So, um, physical therapists have a great role in helping people through those barriers. So we've put a lot of time and money into, um, you know, getting some training on ourselves on how to, how to teach people about, you know, that high, have high blood pressure or diabetes, like what exercise feels like and how to prescribe that in a safe manner to help them get through the barriers of, oh, I can't breathe really well, or, um, you know, everything kind of hurts. And so it's really fun. And, and with Kim Sweener on our team, it's really great for us to have her as a resource. So she trains some clients um, through our exercises medicine model. Um, and our PT staff is evolving more. So we're um, we just got a permit a few weeks ago or maybe a month ago from the city to build a medical fitness facility. So we're adding about 3,000 square feet onto my current practice. Oh, wow. And um, in the spring, early spring, we're going to start building that. And we have a really beautiful facility that's, that's going to be available in uh, hopefully midsummer. 
Um, are you building back from where you are? No, it's actually to the side of okay. where the practice is. So as you look at it from the street, it'll be to the right. So it's attached to the building and it, and it will be, there'll be a really great flow from like PT treatment rooms into this big medical fitness gym. Um, and what I've realized as a PT is, you know, sometimes, um, people really don't need my skill as a physical therapist, but they really need a skilled exercise trainer who has experience in, in medical stuff. You know, like what does it look like when someone's had a stroke or a heart attack? Like what are those things that we need to monitor or be cautious of? Um, so we've partnered with, uh, a company called techno gym that has some really fancy, um, tech savvy equipment that gives us data and feedback about how people are performing with exercise from a heart rate standpoint, resistive, um, measures. So it's neat cause it gives us data and, and PTs love data. And, and in fact, insurance companies love data even more. <laughs> um, so, so it'll be a great thing for us. Um, and then for patients that really don't need skilled PT or they may not need as much PT, we're going to have this medical fitness gym that they can join just like they would join any other uh, exercise place, but it will be run. It's, it is run by medical fitness providers. So, so, uh, my clinical team, which, uh, includes a bunch of PTs and, and Kim, our exercise physiologist. So it's, um, it's really structured in, um, great assessment of someone's medical health. Again, what's your, um, how much lean muscle mass do you have in different parts of your body? And how does that relate to a woman in their seventies or eighties who might have osteoporosis or osteopenia? Those are conditions where the bones are weak. So when we can look at data that, you know, a medical provider has already identified like, Oh, high cholesterol, osteopenia, whatever. And then we put that into an exercise as medical model. Um, we can really help people get stronger and healthier ways and stay out of, the emergency room, um, you know, out of the ER sometimes, cause we can teach them how to move through discomfort or have the resources in PT. If they need help with, with, um, pain or manipulation stuff, we, we do a lot of that. So it's a, a fun journey for us that, um, we started on already. And again, in April, when we start building, uh, it'll be really awesome. Cause the, the new building looks pretty, pretty cool. I was going to say it must, uh, I mean, obviously it's, it's new, so it's like exciting, oh but God. it's like with the possibilities, kind of the opportunity there. Yeah. Um, and and the, the thing is like, as you get older too, arguably what most people I think neglect and they're working out and stuff, but like the strength training aspect of like really making sure that your bone density and your muscles that are still yeah. firing, because I, you know, you see a lot of times someone in old age, like they fall and they physically can't get up. Like yeah. that's typically lack of any type of resistance training as they've gotten older. Yeah. And then, so that, and then, um. Number two is stretching, like just physically, like staying flexible and mobile. And, and I, that is something, this is when I'm talking about <laughs> habits, I'm talking about baby steps. So mm -hmm. I used to stretch a lot and yeah. I was actually very, um, very limber, but there's something to be said about being stretching regularly. And then like, you just don't hurt. You roll to bed, you don't hurt. You oh, get yeah. up, you don't hurt. And, yeah. and uh, I mean, we all look like Tom Brady. Obviously, he's played football, but mm -hmm. he's very big. If you ask him, like, what's the secret of it? He's like, flexibility. Totally. And he calls it pliability. Yeah. But it's the idea of, like, he doesn't even work on strength training or anything. He's like, I yeah. just work on keeping my, my muscles, like, lean, or not lean, uh, long yeah. and loose. And, yeah. um, you know, injury prevention. And, you know, I think he's kind of flipping the script on what people think you have to do. Yeah. And when you look at him, he's not a big guy. Yeah. But he's going to get hit by some big, big dudes and he's going to bounce right back up and he's 45 years old. So yeah. I look at, you know, that's something 
Like that's something I know is important and I know when I, it's funny when you stretch, it almost feels like you're cheating because it feel like it adds years to your life, right, but it, it's right. uh, it, it's like a weird phenomenon because most yeah. people think like I'm going to run or I'm going to lift or I'm going to do anything like that. And I think most people, as you get older, that stuff's important, but I feel like stretching is almost more important. What do you, yeah. what do you think about that? Like, yeah. So it, you know, it's funny years ago, I would say to people like I, we see people primarily and they're hurting because they're too tight. Mm-hmm. They're too tight somewhere. So we focus a lot on mobility, functional mobility. We call that like, you know, how far can you rotate through your spine from your head down towards your feet? Um, and then teach people the value of that. Like I can sit up tall because I have really good mobility in my back and in my shoulders. I also know I don't want to be on a PT's table because sometimes that's a little uncomfortable. So it motivates me to, to kind of stay loose and limber. But, um, yeah, you know, Typically in fitness facilities, the gyms have resistive strength training stuff and there's lots of mirror with dumbbell weights and, and men and women, you know, build their big brawny muscles, which look really pretty. But if that muscle doesn't have elongation, that means flexibility, Mm -hmm. then it's only as, it's only as good as how long it can move. So like, you know, again, if you can take a 50 pound dumbbell and you can curl it, but only in 10 degrees of range of motion, you have a strong muscle that works in a very little bit of range of motion. But if I can take a 15 pound dumbbell, but I can move my elbow through that full range of motion, I have a much more functional arm than you do. You might look better in a bathing suit because your biceps are jacked, but I'm the one that's going to be able to reach the volleyball when it comes over the net. Um, so, so flexibility is equally important, but you know, on the, on the backside of, of the 50 year mark, um, Strength is a really big thing that's that's super um, more evident to me as an as an aging individual. Like I need to be strong to hold good posture. I need to be strong to be a manual therapist. At, you know, after doing this for almost twenty five years, um, and so now for me, it's it's a a fifty fifty of you got to be strong, but you got to be able to move. Um, and teaching people the value of both of those things is really interesting because some people are like. You know, I, I remember the first time my, uh, a client came in who's like a yogi. I was like, what the heck do I, does she need from me? But what I realized was she was loose and limber as, as the day is long, but she had no strength and stability. So that's the part that I had to bring in that she didn't already have. You know, she had a great mindset. She knew how to move well, but she didn't know how to stabilize through move, mm-hmm. movement. So she was chronically kind of getting irritated as she was trying to hike or, um, you know, uh, she was a rock climber. I like to rock climb. So it's, it's neat. Again, the, the stuff that I talked about earlier in our conversation was like really listening to the person, what do they say? And what, what does it look like when they're talking and moving? Those are, those are good, um, good things for us to be mindful of as we're chatting with people about, you know, where they are in their journey. Where, uh, when you see someone come to your practice, what's the one of the major causes or the few of the major causes that you typically find or what's, what is the, I guess the overarching, you know, is it flexibility? Is it lack of strength? Is it injury? Is it? Yeah. So usually it's, it's related to some sort of chronic stresses and strains. So, you know, if I'm working with someone who works in administration and God forbid they're in healthcare, like that's been such a stress and strain on their physical and their mental body. So, um, you know, I just look for habits. Again, that's where the listening comes in. Like, you know, you do podcasts all day and you have children. So I'm already thinking about, okay, I bet you you're not crappy posture. Yeah. <laughs> My shoulders round. Like I know. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so it's just habits and it's, and it's chronic, um, engagement and habits that don't necessarily serve us well. That's why people get hurt. 
you know, we, we do see a fair assortment of athletes get, get hurt. You know, I just saw a young uh, 12 year old girl in our office today that hurt her knee in a game a few days ago. And, and that was great for me because, you know, she went to the ER, made sure nothing was broken. And then two or three days later, she's in my office. So she's not in a surgeon's office. You know, they don't need to be, um, you know, bogging down an orthopedic, um, surgeon because nothing's broke and we can manage that in PT. But so those are like the exceptions. We see athletic injuries, but we see more chronic dysfunctional patterning that presents itself with injuries. Even people who like tear their rotator cuff, you know, someone will say like, Oh, I was washing my window and then, ow, it really hurts. And I'm sh- I'm sure that's how I tore my rotator cuff. But as we do a, you know, a thorough evaluation and look at posture and mobility, um, and stability, we see lots of patterns that, you know, chronically led up to, oh, your shoulder is so tight. And then you did this washing 5,000 windows cause it's springtime. And that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, but again, just teaching people about awareness, like, you know, how do you want to feel during your day? And you can feel really great if you want, and you can also feel pretty lousy. One thing you said, it's choices and habits. And I think, um, you know, when you, you just made a good example. Like your body is so connected that I think one of the things I always focus on when, um, you know, and I, not as much as I should, but I've uh, actually I have the book down there. It's on the second shelf. So it's called Supple Leopard. Mm. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but mm-hmm. he's a he's a PT, and uh, I'll, I'll maybe have you just flip through it before you leave. But um, that's a really good book too. And a lot of the ideas behind it was like called Upstream and Downstream. Like, you know, and for people that don't know, and again, I don't know if this is the correct terminology. I think you kind of put down some layman's terms for people, but the idea of like your knee hurts is typically not your knee. It's upstream, downstream. So you could think of like a tight calf, you think tight hamstring. Um, And one of the things that um, I think it was John Mulholland that showed me it was, you know, hey, you have lower back pain. Okay. Like use a lacrosse ball and roll the plantar or the plantar fascia of the bottom of your foot. Yeah. Yeah. Because as you know, like everything's all your posterior is all connected. Right. Right. And most people would just think, oh, my back's sore. I got to do something with my back. I'm like, well, maybe your, your hips or your glutes or something's pulling on that area. I'm right. Right. Yeah. yeah, Absolutely. Right. And it's just, you know, again, postures and habits like, so, um, women who wear high heels, they, their calf muscle gets so tight. The Achilles, you know, gets shortened and then they stop wearing high heels and they're like, Oh, my foot really hurts. And, and it's just, um, you know, again, for people, most people are just aren't aware of what habits they're, they're due. Like right now your right hip is flexed and rotated as we're sitting across from each other. And, and I think, okay, no, well, this is not good. Yeah. Well, maybe if, stretching. Yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's right. Like we said, we're, we're busy. So it's good to get your stretch when you can, That's but, it. um, but just looking for symmetry in the body. Like do, do we do with our right, what we do with our left, whether it's an arm or a leg and, you know, and, and do you have good spinal mobility and spinal stability and do you engage muscles and activity all the time? Again, whether it's you know, the posterior chain from the calf to the back, everything's connected. And that's where, you know, again, I love a great physical therapy evaluation or just any, you know, body evaluation because people are not just looking at how this is where it hurts me. That That's usually the last place I look. I look at everything above it and everything below it. And then when I put things together and, and talk to clients about, yeah, I noticed when you were in the waiting room, you were like slumping on that right hip. And then you told me, you know, you sleep on your belly and you're always, you know, turning your right hip out. And then when you wake up, it really hurts or when you get up from a chair. So I teach them about, you know, those patterns they have, the way they sit, the way they sleep, and then how it feels when you move out of that position. They're like, oh yeah, you're right. And so then when they get the aha, you're right, you know, then they are motivated to change some of those habits because they want to feel better. And 
but they have to figure out, you know, what are those habits that got them there? Like we can massage and manipulate tissue all day long, but if we haven't identified the why, like, why are you hurting? We haven't done our job. Do you find, um, and actually before I get into the question, I have like, this is how, this is how good I used to be and how poor I am now. I have a desk that pops, like a thing that's on my mm-hmm. desk that I can pop up to a standing desk. Yeah. Last time I used it, God knows when. It, as you yeah. can see, it's where it's like my mm-hmm. glorified like yeah. project thing. I have another mat back. It, it's hard to see. It's somewhere. Yeah. Oh, it's right here. Little, it lied, it's right here. Oh. Actually, it's perfect. It's literally right in my... So this one, <laughs> uh-huh. I used to stand on this. Oh. So it'd be like a lacrosse ball yep. here. So people can't see this. Basically, it's like this mat that you put down. It's got a couple like apparatuses on it. Like, there's two like little, almost like half circle things that you'd put underneath your foot it acts as a lacrosse ball you also have the wedge there so you could wedge up your heel yeah. and then you had this mat so it was almost like a rumble roller like right a, a, right um, fancy so i ended up buying this because i was like uh-huh. I'm, not, I'm not joking when i said that. i was like really i got a yoga mat back there yeah i see and then i have uh there was something else like oh the chair and then I actually have a pair of shoes. This is silly. I, I see a bottle of whiskey. Is that part of the therapy regime? That's actually regime? part of it. Yeah. That, 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 that's, uh, that's the last part. <laughs> okay. Um, maybe the right, first Because if, if all else fails, just hit the whiskey. That's, yeah. that's <laughs> coming right from a PT, so I wasn't wrong. But if you, um, like, and underneath my chair, or underneath my desk, you can't see them, but there's actually two um, shoes that have, like, um, beads on the bottom mm-hmm. of them. And they actually came from the guy in that book, and it was the same thing. You put them on, they're almost like slippers. Yep. But they... They're supposed to help you with your posture. And uh, so I had a lot of them. But like I said, the idea of using it, but I think the going back to what you said is that I find that most, um, and this this goes for, I mean, a lot of things in life. And I, I read this book earlier this year, and they talked about if you have a problem, most people, like take your problem and it, say it's a tree. And your tree goes up and it has branches. Most people, if that tree was a problem tree, most people spend too much time trying to prune back the branches where they find that there might be rot in the center of the trunk or something like that. And they find that, in my opinion, you know, I think what PTs do well is that, like you said, you're finding the root, you're not throwing a Band-Aid on it. Yeah. And I think that too much, like whether you go get a cortisone shot or whether you try to do something where it's like, hey, I'm just going to like stick it out and rough it out. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's going to come back to bite you because you said like if your hip's hurting, because I used to have hip pain, it was never the hip. It mm-hmm. was never the hip that was hurting. It was mm-hmm. my crappy posture. Maybe mm-hmm. I wasn't stretching. Maybe I just overdid it. And next thing you know, my IT band's on fire and I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't rolling it or giving, arresting it like I should. So it's all like stuff that you know you shouldn't do. But yeah. instead, we're like, oh, let me just get a cortisone shot or let me yeah. do something else. That, yeah, the quick fix. The quick fix. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a place for that stuff. Absolutely. But really at the end, of, like, you know. Um, really at the end of the day, I think it's the, you have to go to that route. You can't just be swatting at, or, you know, trimming back the branches on a problem. It's like, you gotta, you gotta like really get in and just fix the root cause, which eventually if you fix that in most things in life, if you fix the root cause, all the extra branches or in that, um, analogy, like a lot of those branches fall off the tree. They're no longer there. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's super empowering too. Like, you know, I know this personally and I see it professionally all the time, um, that, when people are like, oh, like really? When I just use that foam roller, it's going to always feel like this? I'm like, yeah. And and then when you just sit a little bit better, a little bit more of the time, mm-hmm. and they're like, yeah. So it's so fun to like, you know, bring it around. And, and again, I, I have my share of like bad habits and 
But, um, and so there's never any shame. It's all like fun investigation stuff for me, you know, clinically, because I love to figure out, you know, the why, like, how did it, how did you come here? How did you get to the OR with a shoulder problem? And how do we keep you out of the OR with shoulder problems? Because injuries take time and they take money. And, and I think life's too short to be on those sidelines. You know, let's, let's learn how we can, how we can support our bodies to the best of our ability, the best amount of times. And again, I sit with slump posture sometimes. I'll eat junky food, but I know how we feel after those things. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's why I don't want to go to McDonald's on the way home from the game. I should have just, you know, packed an energy bar or something, whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and feedback is really powerful. And, and if people just are increase their awareness and, and just, you know, learn to, um, laugh when things go awry and, and just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You know, we, we all can get better all the time. Um, and when people come see you, is it, what's, if you had to like put a percentage on it, like how many people come see you and you're like, listen, I got a problem. I know you can fix it. Tell me what to do and let me just follow that plan. And you know, they're going to be successful. Right. Um, and then how many people come and it's like, whether they want to come or mandatorily have to go and, it's just like they're just like begrudging to get through it and you're just it's just like this like they're molasses and you're trying to drag them through this yeah. because i i can already tell like <laughs> you don't like being told no like i'm gonna figure out a solution yeah, so if yeah. the person's like yeah eh, i'm not gonna do it like yeah. hey i'm gonna get you like we're gonna make sure your your shoulders fixed or your yeah. hips fixed or like yeah so those people those, those clients that don't have good self-motivation are never on my schedule because um, you know, we're, we're so busy and there's not enough PTs in the area. Um, I weed people out really quickly and, and we have a great culture in my, my office about we're here to serve mm-hmm. and that service comes from like who you are and what you want. And if you're there because your doctor's telling you you need to be there, like I, I think, okay, well, why are you working with this doctor? So, um, so I work really hard again f- with kindness and compassion to figure out where are you? And, and sometimes people will come just in really troubled, painful places in their life because they've been hurting for so long and they think therapies never helped them before. So I probably am not going to be able to help them. And they already have this mindset of like, I'm doomed. And I, and I work really hard on changing that mindset because if they feel doomed with their physical ailment, they're likely feeling doomed with other parts of their life. Cause when people can't move and when they can't work, that is a horrible spiral downhill. And I think why well, you, you might have children or parents that you care for or whatever. So I, I work really hard to help people find a healthier mindset because when you can flip the switch, like for me, when I stopped telling myself I was nothing but a dumb jock, I got into PT school. And then when I, you know, hit the barrier again of like, oh my gosh, I might fail out again. I, you know, I just, I just went into my, my better place in my brain about like, I could do this. And, and, and that's a, that's a scary, hard thing for people. And people feel physical pain and sometimes they feel it for a long, long time. I have a woman this week that I just started working with. I'm so grateful that that she's, um, she's in our office and, and I have the opportunity to work with her. She is one of the most medically complicated, disastrous physical bodies I've seen in a very, very long time. And I, I've been using some tools and technology that we have and she's had chronic back pain and, and she's seeing us, you know, for an ankle injury, but, um, we're, we're delving into some deeper things that no one's been able to fix before. And again, because of some of the tools and technology, and the things we're doing and how we're doing it, 
she started crying this week. You know, she was working out in the gym in our gym and I went in, we were doing some things and she's like, no one's ever helped me get here. And she said, I'm not a hopeless person, but I thought my body's health was hopeless. I thought this was it. And I just, I was like, you know, celebrating, like she was like the, you know, next MVP of the Super Bowl, And because that's what it is for her in her life. So it's really awesome to, to help people see a better light. And all you have to see is one little glimmer of light. You well, don't need your why you talked about. Yeah. Um, it, well, and, and I think someone like that, it's almost like what she's done. She's going to feel like a bionic woman, but it's all natural. Right. It's like, well, no, no, that, that was, that was inside of you before. And I, yeah. I read this, uh, so I, I, you, you had mentioned too about meditation. Like I, I try to meditate. Well, I meditate every morning. I try to do it twice a day. Um, but the, uh, so the thing I have that it like usually pops something up after you're done. Mm-hmm. And the one that I had was literally this morning. I screenshot it. Sometimes it, I'm cheesy like that. So I'll screenshot yeah, it's some so ones that are cool. But All right. one of them was a bit like, if you, something, if you think you're, um, if you think you're like, you're, if you're an underachiever, then you are. If you think that you like are, um, basically neutral you will be but if you think you can accomplish cool things you will like yeah and it was really the idea of like the mindset of like if and you know you hear it a lot like if you just believe that you're great you're great if you yeah. don't then you're not and yeah. really you can accomplish both because it's kind of like a, was right. it the henry ford quote like whether you think or you, you think you can or think you can't you're right right and i think that uh you know it's tough and i remember a friend of mine we were um at the at the gym and there was a movement that he couldn't do mm-hmm. and he had some injuries in the past and um was kind of one and he was a very, very good athlete or he was a very good athlete in this one like particular styles of movement he couldn't do because of an injury yeah and i remember it got to the point where i ended up we were good enough friends i could like snap at him but it was one of the things where i snapped at him and i was like no, you because like basically i don't want to hear you complain about yeah, it because yeah, you yeah. can do it right it's just going to take you, you're going to have to work harder mm-hmm. and it's going to take you a little bit longer, but mm-hmm. there's no reason why you can't do it. Right. And, and, and by God, like give him two years or so, he hit roughly where he wanted to be then, but it was mm-hmm. a two year journey where other people might've taken six months or a year. Yep. And I said, you're just starting with a little bit like further back behind, but it doesn't mean you can't outwork someone that's yeah. ahead of you. Yeah. And I just remember that was, you know, just something I don't it, Did I know that he could do it? Like, no, I'm not a doctor. I didn't yeah. know the extent of the injury, but yeah. in my head, I'm like, just in general, I'm like, you can do it. Yeah. Like anybody can do anything you want. Like, right, it's right. just, you just got to put the time and effort and energy and the belief yeah. into doing it. Huge. That's, that's the big part, the belief. Like, because if you're looking at someone smarter, faster, stronger, whatever, and you perceive that as, oh, they're smarter, faster, stronger, whatever, then you've just put yourself in second place or third place or fourth place or whatever, mm-hmm. hundredth place. Well, it's hard to get past those but if you think wow there's someone smarter than me currently maybe faster and maybe a little stronger I'm going to watch them mm-hmm. and I'm going to do exactly what they do and even if I don't do it as fast or as strong or I don't get the same like you got to dance with those with those people and and hang with them and again that's what I love to do in my personal life and my professional life like find people that have gone where I want to go whether it's you know that scary you know scary run on whiteface that was like terrifying to me. And then I think, no, I can do that. I'm like, that's awesome. Or, you know, running a 10 K or, um, 
you know, wake surfing with my kids. I'm like, yeah, find people better and know that you too, I too can be that. And it's fun in the, in that journey because you're not so great at it. And, but you just get to be around people that will teach you just like you and your buddy in the gym. That's awesome. Well, I, uh, it was fun. I think it was, it might've been yesterday or today. It was recently. And I remember writing. So I, the first two things I get up and do is there's three things is I like to get up, meditate, I, I journal and then I like to work out. Those are nice. the three things I like to do early in the morning. So I was writing my journal and I was like going through and it was kind of like, there's some prompts. So it's like, kind of like, what's your reflection at the moment? Uh-huh. I really just like, I don't even think about it. I'm just like, whatever's on my mind to write yeah. about. And it could yeah. be anything. It could be like, Hey, I'm going to have a podcast today. Like my yeah. thought on the podcast. But the idea was like, I'm like, Hey, I, I need to be more confident in this or that. And mm-hmm. I literally wrote that out. Like mm-hmm. I was like, I, I feel kind of the conversation we just had, like I feel that there's certain things I want to do and I know I want to do, but I don't have that belief in myself that I, I can pull it off mm-hmm. where it's like, I want to do it, but my internal is like, ah, but it's hard or you can't do it or like you're, you're behind or this yeah. is going to happen. And I'm like, just, I got to tune that voice out. And I, it was kind of, you know, obviously it's some different wording, but it was along those lines. And I think that it happens to a lot of people is like you have that, and it's not like a mental block that I always find that I'm my worst critic, but I'm my best cheerleader. And I'm yeah. not my worst critic of like, you're dumb. I'm yeah. my worst critic of like, you can be better. Yeah. Like you can yeah, like yeah. that almost like you're self coaching yourself, right, right. but you're not um, thinking too much about the moment. Mm-hmm. But I do self assess what I like. I'll sometimes I'll sit here and be like, okay, Gail, you're talking too much. Like let them talk. Or sometimes it's like, you got to have a better, you know, like whatever, like you, you, you're constantly in your own mind. But that's something that for, for me, it was like, you know, having that belief and it was uh this morning i'm working on some like back end stuff my head spinning but i've been working off some back end stuff in the business and i was going through this box of stuff which basically is the accumulation of about 13 years of my professional life and it was funny i was going through and i was kind of look searching for certain things and of course i'm flipping through notebooks and books and pages and sheets and it was kind of funny to see like some of the stuff that I had down for goals and things I wanted to accomplish yeah. that I haven't seen in a couple of years. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh my God, like we blew by that. Right. But at the time when I was writing that, that was a stretch for me. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, having the idea, like at some point I believed I could do that, but now in my head I'd be laughing at that. Cause I'm like, that's so mm-hmm. far in the rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like triple what I wanted then. Right. But it's baby steps. But like you said, like going down that mountain on, on white face, like, I'm not, you know, I don't start going down skyward. I start going down Excelsior, you yeah. know, and you work yeah, yeah. your way up to that uh-huh. point. And, uh, yeah. I, it's, it's, it's amazing what the mind, like your mind is, is obviously your most powerful tool in the body. How do you, how does that work with you from a mind standpoint, considering that you are, your main goal is like a physical therapist is the physical body, but it's so connected to the mind. So how do you put that into your practice or how do you, besides the, just the motivation aspect? Yeah. So I, I listen a lot to the words that people say. Um, and because words are powerful tools, just like you said, you know, can I, can I ski that run or can I not ski that run? Can I do this in business? Can I not? And, um, as, as people chat with me about whatever physical ailment has, has brought them in front of me, um, I listen to words and then without, me saying to them, Oh gosh, that's a bad word you use. I like really hone up my intentional language that is optimistic and opportun you know, opportunistic with, um, you know, here are the opportunities for us. And, and that word opportunity versus pain and, you know, dysfunction is really 
is really like an opening like oh opportunity that's great instead of like okay what's your knee pain like today um you know because i don't focus on where they are i focus i i listen learn about where they want to go and then i create little steps or bridges to of opportunities to help them get there and and i really let them know like um you know i'm always grateful and i'm super humble and, and honored that people call us and that they choose us because it takes a long time to get into our office now. Um, but I think there's still that long line because we really connect with the person. And, and if, and if we continue in that mind, mindness or mindset of serving the person, the problems all resolve themselves because we've showed that person the opportunities to get where they want to go. So again, for me as a kid, it was passion to play and for you, it might be, um, you know, hey, I want to feel like a 20-year-old stud again, you know, so that when my son or my daughter is running a 10K, I'm going to run it right, right with them. Um, so it's, it's just all language and listening, but it starts with a good listen and an openness as opposed to me per- perceiving like, oh, I know why your knee hurts, you're 600 pounds overweight or whatever. It, it, some people are all, you know, they're good inside and sometimes they just have a lot of bad experiences. So our job is just to listen and take away the layers of dysfunction physically and mentally and teach them language that serves their purpose better. So again, for me as a student, I had to stop saying I wasn't good enough. I had to stop worrying about that. And because of that, I kept reapplying to schools. And then I got so gutsy to like call the chair of the PT department and said, I'd love to meet with you. And they're like, I'm sorry, you didn't get in. I said, I know. And that's what I want to talk about because next year I don't want to have this conversation again. And the woman told me exactly why I didn't get in. And that was so powerful. So I fixed what she told me Mm -hmm. and I got in the next year. But, um, so, so I think the same happens in health. You just have to be a good listener and, and help people get rid of their obstacles and, and create the opportunity, show them the opportunity. Well, I think the one you just said with the, you know, the, uh, the chair of the PT department talking to you and that, I think some people, like if someone told, like she told you that and she said, why you didn't get in and which is good on her. She told you honestly and bluntly. Yeah. Some people, like, it's kind of that movie line, you can't handle the truth. Like, some people can't handle it. They yeah. get emotionally wrapped up, and yeah. they don't think I'm good. And, and I think the, I think people that can really elevate is they take, because words are words. They're not, there's, like, you can put any meaning you want behind them. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's undertones and things like that. But realistically, if someone says, hey, here's the facts and figures, and this is just how I see it. One, that's someone's opinion. Um, obviously, in this case, you know, her opinion was factual in the sense that it stopped you from getting to your goal. Yeah. Um, so there was more of a, a gatekeeper there, but you know, the, if you look at that, you were able to separate the words f- in the meaning from like you, it was yeah. like, okay, it's not, she doesn't not like Elizabeth. She doesn't, she's just saying that whatever Elizabeth, the output of Elizabeth wasn't good enough for the input they needed. Yeah. And I think that, you know, people that are really good about improving, um, you know, I think, like I said, it's hard. Like sometimes you try to tell someone that what you think and they get so emotionally wrapped up in like it's an attack on the person. I'm like, yeah. no, like you're a great person. You're yeah. just not good at X. And I, yeah. and I feel, um, you know, that that's happened to whether it's sports or whether it's like, Oh, okay. Why didn't it start that game? Like, why didn't I start that game? Mm-hmm. Well, it's not the coach's fault. It's not the other player's fault. It's like, well, why don't you work harder next practice? Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, and I think some people like, it sounds like you have that, but do you find that 
is that something that you've been, I mean, at this point in your career with, with um, clientele that you find you work more with those type of people? Like they can hear it bluntly or is it, and, and again, I'm. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I, I, I'm grateful for so many years of experience because I'll tell you, you know, 25 years ago when I started talking to clients, I, I probably wasn't as smooth and I certainly didn't have all the experiences that I do now. Um, <laughs> harder delivery maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't, I can't remember. <laughs> I, I feel, feel for them, but, um, it's, uh, yeah, I think one of the things that I, I try to set for, for people that haven't yet met me or haven't been referred from someone that knows me. Cause I always say, if someone says, Oh, you know, uh, Gina said you were so great. So I'm going to come, come to you. And I, and if they know that person really well, and that person knows me well, I, I feel like, okay, we're already connected. Mm-hmm. And so they know what they're in for. Cause I'm, I'm a, you know, make no excuses about it. Like if you tell me where you, where you want to go, I will help you get there. Mm-hmm. And if you, I always say like, I'm not a half-assed kind of girl. So if, if that's where you're at, I'm not your person Mm -hmm. and I'm happy to refer you somewhere else. That's not my practice. And, and what people think was like, Oh, I I don't want to be half, you know? And I was like, okay, well then here's where we go. Um, because sometimes people have never been held accountable for their physical life. And, and sometimes no one's ever dug deep to figure out their why and we have those conversations. And again, that is more beneficial than doing the most amazing manual thing I could ever do or the, the best exercise that would save low back pain. Because if you don't change the way they perceive themselves, they'll always fail at something. So you have to help people realize they have total control over their life. Even if they've been in a horrible accident, like, hey, you can either recover from this or you can be a victim. So I always say, let's look at the victory and stop talking about the victimization. Well, yeah, that and, you know, it goes back to accountability is number one. But a thing I focus on a lot is, you know, what's your controllables and that's what you can control. So, you know, and that happens to be like if you said, hey, you said something to me that I didn't like. Well, I can't control what comes out of your mouth. I can control how to react to it. I find that a lot of people... Um, and this is, and I would say even just in the business world, they lack accountability where like you'll point stuff out and they'll be quick to point the finger. But I'm like, we both know that's on you. Yeah. And, but then again, I have to look at it and I think this is, um, I mean, help me in my like professional aspect is like, I don't have a high level of, um, expectation of people. Not that I don't think they can do great things. Uh-huh. I just, I just set myself up where I'm just, I, I don't get disappointed because I don't want to sit there and overthink someone's going to deliver something yeah. that is like in my mind at, you know, maybe the 10th rung on the ladder when they're only capable of two, three or four. Well, my thing is like, if I can get to, that's what I would like, but Hey, you know, be realistic. And if they don't get there, what's my contingency plan? Because I can control that. Mm-hmm. And whether that's lowering expectations or, um, again, I'll go back to working out. Like I've, I've been following a program that I want to follow. I've been doing it for three weeks. I've scaled every single one on the three. And I remember <laughs> telling Gina, I'm like, you know what? It feels good to go yeah. in and do it. But it also feels good that I know I'm, I'm, I'm pushing myself every day, but I'm pushing myself every day in a nice little threshold where I'm not going to be injured. And I can get up the next day and actually do the next workout yeah. where I'm not so sore. I can't, I can't move. But that's a controllable on my part. And I know it sounds silly because like anything I do is controllable, but like still making the choice of like taking my ego out. Like I can't do that yeah, weight right now. Right. I'm going to drop that or maybe the movement that yeah. I, 
I think I can do or used to be able to do and like I'm not that same person. So yeah. like let's let's take like eighteen steps back and work right. our way up. But right, right. Um, and then celebrate that win. Like every time you took one step, you're like, Man, I showed up today. Pat me on the back. That was a couple of them. Yeah. I finished the workout. Like right. that was a couple of them. Like, right. I didn't want to quit. I'm like, no, just just get through it. Yeah. And you get through it and like feel good. It's mm-hmm. good. I think, I think mm-hmm. you had mentioned it too before, like when you like certain things that you do and like, I, I, I did that. Great. Yeah. Like a, yeah. Huge cheerleader. Right. 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 Yeah. I think again, finding joy in your journey is super powerful and no matter what your journey is, but you got to figure out where you're going. Like, you know, I, I see some people that they're not, uh, I see some people in life that just are like, rah, 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 rah. they're going to rant about everything you know, the weather, the politics, the finances, their job, their spouse. And, 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 um, that, that's a real difficult way to experience living. And in fact, I don't think there's much great living in that at all. And I think, um, you know, I am so grateful for my great health and I don't take that lightly, which is why I drink water instead of soda or whatever. And, and I choose intentionally things Again, I, I have cho- I choose intentionally bad things. I love dark chocolate. You know, it's in the top drawer of my desk. And um, but uh, it's good to have people in your inner circle that are like-minded and supportive because we all fall off the train. And there's nothing better than a great buddy to kick you in the backside when you need it and say, "All right, pity party's done, brother. Let's go." Yeah. And. And I love that about the work we do because we can be that accountability partner. And more importantly, I, I teach people to find that accountability person in their life because PT is a short span. Um, even though we get frequent flyers at times, like, you know, my best service to someone is figure out your why and then figure out who your people are outside of me. I actually heard a good, um, I forgot what realm of, of uh, it might have been healthcare or something, but like realistically your goal is to put yourself out of business yeah totally get you out of my office as quick as i can yeah and and, and it's funny because like you obviously know that that will never happen but in your mind it's like your ultimate goal unlike most businesses or most it it, um you know most things in life like you try to have more people come for longer or or whatever but it's like like i like a perfect world would be you never see another pt person again because then everybody's figured their stuff out yeah you don't need it but super fun um so it, like I said, it's kind of a, I, I feel like that would be a cool part of the, of the idea of like, Hey, just getting someone from point A to point B and then knowing that they like can spread their wings and fly back on, yeah. back onto the court yeah, and find it's, other people to like soar with them. Or, or like I said, now they have healthy habits. Does that rub off on their mm. family? Cause I think, you know, when you 100%. look at a, a lot of like issues with health or weight and, and, uh, whether it's obesity, like a lot of it, we talk about nature and nurture. Like a lot of that I think is nurtured where it's like, Hey, you're living in a family that doesn't have good eating habits. And this could find, this could translate to financial habits. This could translate to just interpersonal habits with people. Like you said, a lot of people have scar tissue from things in their life, Mm -hmm. but not everybody has started or has the same input in their life as like you have maybe more of a background of hard work than some people that were handed stuff to them and, and, you know, it kind of skews, um, things they do. But, um, now, for your practice, how many people work within the practice? So we have four physical therapists, and I have four administrative team members. So there's eight of us, eight of us, and a property manager. So nine total. Okay. So and yeah. that, that again, you you do the PT side. You also, I mean, you run a small business. I yeah. mean, this has been going on now. You said what, 13, 14 years at yep. this point. Yep. Um. So, what has been the biggest takeaway from? And I'm looking at your background here. This is the first time that Pearl Physical Therapy is the first business that you've owned, right? Yes. 
So how, what was the transition like from going from an employee to now an employer, owner, entrepreneur? Oh my gosh. Um, it was really exciting and really different um, because you had to know all the things that everybody else did, like human resources. I remember when, when I started <laughs> building my business, I was like, okay, what's the name? You know, wh- what was I going to call it? And then where was it going to be? And, you know, okay, I need a phone number. And I remember being on the phone with Verizon and I was in the basement of our house and our kids were, were like taking a nap. And I was on the phone. I was like, I'm opening a business and this is the address and I need a phone number. And the woman said to me, well, what phone number do you want? And I was like, lucky sevens. And she's like, oh, let me see if that's available. So 563 is a, a, a yeah. you know, old, long-time old Plattsburgh number. number yeah. So my business phone number is 563-7777 because she asked me what I wanted. And I was like, sweet. That's cool. I I thought, oh, this is pretty cool. So I can just ask her, figure out what I want. And then it happens. So in business, like you, you know, I knew, I knew Jack Diddley. Like I was seeing clients before I knew how to bill for a patient. And I remember meeting with Carolyn Michaels, who was, who did medical billing for us for many years. And, um, and she's like, so um, when, when are you going to start seeing patients? I was like, well, like four weeks ago. She's like, what? <laughs> you know, I, I, I think we maybe collected a copay. I don't really know. <laughs> but I was just so excited to be creative and to yeah. work outside of boxes that, that I felt myself confined in, in in some prior work opportunities. And, and it was just really cool. And it was so exciting. And I'll never forget, um, I had been in practice almost a year. And, and I came home and... Uh, my, my mother said to me, it was like around Christmas time, we were having a family gathering and I was like, you know, on cloud nine. And she said, Elizabeth, this is really amazing. Cause my mom was really worried. I was going to, I left this perfect little safe job with yeah. great salary and benefits. I worked four 10 hour days. So I was home with my kids three days, which was mm-hmm. awesome. I never brought work home. It was like really dreamy from a management standpoint, family management standpoint. Yep. Yep. And my mother said to me like a year into it and I came home, I'm still like dancing on a cloud. And, and she said, this is really amazing. She said, and imagine how much you're going to love it when you finally pay yourself to do what you're doing. And I was like, yeah, right. Cause I, I wasn't taking a salary. Yeah. So any money I had went back into like buying a new piece of equipment or doing whatever. But I was like joyfully ecstatic because I was creating and, and I didn't realize I was, I was, um, so driven by creation, like creating things and helping people through their little sticky messes. And, um, so being an owner was, was really neat. And I realized very early on, there was so much about business I did not know. So I was grateful to have an advisor through the small business development center here, um, uh, uh, here in Plattsburgh. And then I started going to these, um, business conferences through the American physical therapy association. It's like this big national conference for independently owned PT practice owners. And so I went and I was like, I'm a really small fish in this massive pond. Like these are big heavy hitters that had like seven figure businesses, you know, 10 to 20 practices. And I was like, I have a, I, I have a employee status of one, <laughs> like I've got 20 patients, but I knew I needed to go and go to grow because no one here was going to teach me how to be a great PT business owner. And so I realized there was so much value in me stepping away from my practice to learn how to be a big a good business owner, um, and not spend all my time working in the business. And so, and I know that you've done that too, probably with, with the work that you guys do. Um, but it was just fun. And, and, you know, it's funny for me to laugh and think I saw patients for four weeks and I didn't know how to bill, you know, and how to get paid for that. But you just, you know, I've always been driven and there's joy in the journey and just keep looking at the joy and find the answers to things you don't yet know. 
Yeah, and I think the uh, the thing with small, like running a business or a small business, is like at the end of the day, like it's all on you. So yeah. if like, you know, right. the, basically, if you know, the ball's gonna be carried across the finish line, and then someone drops it, you have to pick it up and get yeah. try to get over it. And yeah. I think uh, what most if people don't have their own business or earn, like I would say, someone that's an employee, that you know, you typically don't have the. We talk about like not bringing work home. Like there's, you really can't think about do I bring work home or not bring work home because your business is like a child. Like yeah. it really is like. Yeah. If you're not thinking about your business the same way you would think about almost like a family member. Now, obviously, put, I'm putting me in context of you know, but the idea that you know. I very rarely don't think about my work and I, it's not that I, I'm very good about, or I've gotten better. I should say very good. I've gotten better about, um, trying to disconnect from work when I'm mm-hmm. with family and vice mm-hmm. versa. But I will say I'm thinking about work every day, probably every hour of the day, um, minus the time I'm in deep sleep. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. I'm laying restless <laughs> where I can still, I can yeah. still think, but, uh-huh. um, I think that that doesn't go away. And I think part of it is, you talked about the creativity aspect and I think like this whole morning, like it's tough because you're, you're, you're running, you're doing stuff and you only have so much time and you're trying to really just focus and get things done. Like I spent nothing I did today. You would deem someone that's in real estate would typically be doing, but it's like I wear a real estate sales hat and mm-hmm. I wear like basically running a, like a, a brokerage, like a business hat. So it's like most of the stuff I was doing today was like, business hat stuff where like yes do i am i gonna drop some balls on the sales side or drop some balls and like yeah but like i have 24 hours and realistically that time for me is like maybe six or seven hours a day that i could probably really get stuff done but you find all the stuff you know that you'd find like little hacks that you can do and you find things to focus on and then you and again if you're getting out of your comfort zone and growing like i'm doing something right now that's really outside my comfort zone and I'm kind of learning it on the fly. Mm-hmm. But guess what? Like if it ever comes down the pipe again, I'll be like, great, I'm, yeah. I'm good. Right, right. But but I find that there's, um, it's like it's like sitting there looking at over that steep drop off of Skyward. It's scary. <laughs> yeah. It looks like I'm just gonna fall uh-huh. down like into uh-huh. like nothing. Right. Um, but then you realize when you get down to the bottom of the hill, like that really wasn't that bad. It was yeah. challenging, but yeah. it really wasn't that bad. Yeah. And I feel like that's almost. You know that that happens quite regularly in small business, and I'm yeah. I'm, I'm assuming like even you, you even going down and learning the lifestyle, like okay, I'm getting on a plane, I'm going investing, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm taking a partner with me, and we're right um, trying to dive into this whole new thing. We have to learn. Yeah. And you're like I've been doing this for you know 20 years now, and then you're like, no, I'm still learning, I'm still right. getting better. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and I think it's you know you talked about you take the dive down skyward and you realize oh wow I can do this. I always think that's. That's our, um, you know, you're flexing your success muscle. And the more mm-hmm. you flex that muscle, just like if you did a bicep curl, the stronger that muscle gets. And then the more confident you get when, when you step into the next new challenge, whatever that is, you've already succeeded in previous challenges. And you failed sometimes mm-hmm. too. But you know how to get up when you fall down and you know how to put your arms in the, in the air and say, boy." And it's just, um, it's a continuous, I think you just got to love yourself enough when you're having trouble to stand up and say, I can do this. And, and I am doing this even when you're not yet, (laughs) because you, you just have to imprint that mental image of being the successful business owner. So for me, I can already feel what it feels like to be in our lifestyle medicine gym. And we haven't even broken ground yet. Yeah. We've cleared trees. I've spent 
countless hours in design and conversations with architects and, Mm -hmm. you know, engineers and words I never knew before. And I had to write them down five times just so I'd understand what the word was on the sixth time when we had the same conversation. (laughs) But, but I've flexed that muscle so much, um, that I know this is going to be wildly successful. And I, again, I, I don't usually pull stuff out of my hat thinking, Oh, I'm going to do this. Like I look at trends across the country Um, and you see people doing really amazing things and I learn from them, like I'm not inventing a wheel. Mm -hmm. I'm just bringing the wheel over to the East coast and we're going to do it here because other people have done it really successfully. And it serves my, my mission of serving people's best health, creating opportunities for better engagement, um, for better accountability. Cause those are the things that people get stuck on with, with health. You know, when you go to your doctor and, you know, I, I had an older woman this week say, I know I'm fat. And I was like, I never even said that word. We just talked about mobility. Mm -hmm. You said you want to do the big loop around your neighborhood. So let's talk about that. And creating, um, you know, wins for them. Like, hey, you got out of the chair today. That's a win. And just keep building their win. Because people aren't, most people don't have that training. I, I never did as a kid. Um, but I've learned it. And I've hired lots of coaches to help me learn how to do that better. And, and so we just... We love sharing that with people because some everybody needs a cheerleader because yeah. everybody gets hurt and we all fall down. Yeah, and I think I think the uh, like I said, if you're in small business, like you fail almost every day at something. Yeah, you know? and I think that it's I just feel like the failing never stops. I think it's how you deal with failure, and I think the failure also gets bigger. So even though it might seem scary, it's at a different level. Yeah. Um, but I think that's something I always think about in my mind. It's like okay like basically like what are you afraid of like what's the worst case you're like this that whatever and most of the time you honestly just fear other people's opinions you don't even fear like what the scary part about failing something like you're just like well someone's gonna think this and then this and it it gets in this domino effect and you're like nobody's gonna think that yeah nobody cares as much about me as i care about myself (laughs) exactly i I, I think that a lot like nobody really cares about you Uh like and not in a bad way but like we all have our stuff going on in life and it's like i'm too busy with this to worry about this for you and or vice versa um, what is your, what is, your, so obviously you've been doing this, you know, for a while at this point. Um, it doesn't sound like you're at any point ready to slow down. So what's <laughs> kind of the vision for maybe the next 10 years, obviously the, the, the addition to the building. Yeah. Um, is there anything else like that you would, if you could wave a magic wand and like, this is on the, the Pearl, uh, yeah, the Pearl PT train, um, you know, finding more people that, that are driven and motivated by the mission that we have to serve other people at their highest level. Um, you know, one of the things we look for when we recruit new team members is, um, people that someone that is in that place to learn and grow. Um, and we're there for the purpose, not the profit. I always say that, you know, when people think they have health, they have health insurance, like, Oh, this is really good health insurance because you know, it's good at my doctor's office. Well, it may not be good for a private practice like mine. In fact, New York state has one of the lowest reimbursement rates in, in, in private practice. So a lot of new graduates, you know, tend to work for hospitals or nursing homes or larger entities that have higher reimbursement models. So, you know, for me in the next 10 years, as we build this lifestyle medicine practice or this medical fitness gym, it's a cash-based program. So that will offset some of the challenges with low reimbursements in our practice because everybody thinks, oh, I have insurance. So like you must get paid what everybody else gets paid and we don't. And, And it's a huge deficit. So, um, 
I, I got used to get frustrated for so many years that, you know, we were the poor little stepchild that, that didn't get paid. And then I thought, well, why am I holding on to that crappy story? Mm-hmm. You know, let's create really what your mission is, which is to serve people's highest level, you know, of, of wellness. And I know that's in a more medically based fitness model. So um, we'll still do the insurance stuff through ProPT and we're going to bring on lifestyle medicine and hire other medical fitness trained professionals to do more work because everyone doesn't need a licensed PT and it takes a long time. Most people can get it done in six or seven years. I think I was on like the 15 year track, <laughs> but, uh, but and it costs a little, a little bit more money than it probably should have, but there's a lot of learning in that journey. Um, so, so I'm just looking to, um, to, to help people along their journey and, and, you know, it's funny because my wife's like, okay, yeah, so our kids are going to go to college in a year or two, you know, and, you know, talking about retirement, I was like, I'm like 53 and, and I really love what I do. It's like it, as fun as playing on the water, being in the mountains. And so I'm grateful because I just get to play no matter where I am. Um, and, and my career is like that. And, and I'm really grateful to have some other professionals on our team that share that same vision. So it's, um, it's fun for us to learn how to scale that, to find other professionals to, to join that journey so that we can serve more people. So I think that's where I see us going. Um, I know lifestyle medicine is, is going to be a huge hit in our community because there's so many people that need and want accountability, um, through, through fitness stuff. And and that's what we're delivering. So who would be, if you, so lifestyle medicine, like who would be an ideal, uh, client for that? Oh, wow. Who would maybe look at that and say like this, this style of person or this person, this type of need would really gravitate towards this. You mean for what kind of client or what kind of professional to work there? Uh, could we do both? Oh. both? Yeah. So I mean, if you're, yeah, if you're trying to try and recruit some people, throw it out. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> I wasn't sure where you're going with the question. So anyways, from a, from a client based standpoint, um, you know, there are certain people that are super driven, super account, hold themselves accountable. They live a really clean, healthy life and they have great, um, habits that, that they engage in daily. So those people don't leave lifestyle medicine because they've already figured they're out and they're doing their stick on their own. Most of us aren't as, resourceful, you know, strong-willed or whatever. So, so I'm a 53-year-old woman. I, I get out of bed with no problem. I engage in regular fitness. I eat pretty decent most of the time. I'm a great lifestyle medicine client because I don't do enough strength training. I don't, I, I don't, I have too much body fat as I, I just identified. We bought this in body composition machine that uh, analyzes people's percent body fat and, and their lean muscle mass. And you know, and, and I came home one day with this report card and I told my wife, I was like, Oh my God, look at this. And, and I had, you know, X percentage of abdominal fat. And she's like, Elizabeth, you carried twins. You've known you've had too much belly fat. I said, I know, but I was so excited. She goes, why are you so excited? I said, because now I have a number. Yeah. Metric. Yeah. Right. And, and I got so excited about it. And she's like rolling her eyeballs and I couldn't tell enough people about my report card. And I started changing the way I engaged in my health habits. And in less than a month, I lost a pound of belly fat and I gained some lean muscle mass and I only lost two pounds. And and if I step on the scale, you know, over seven days, my body weight can vary between five pounds. But so I didn't really care about the two pound loss, but I was changing some metrics that are really important in my health outcomes. Mm -hmm. I don't have diabetes. I don't have cardiovascular disease, but some of those things have been family traits of my ancestors and I don't want to develop any of those. So, so the perfect person for lifestyle medicine is someone who really wants and needs accountability and metrics 
and tools and resources to live their healthiest life. Um, there, there's a thing that I found. I was actually relating it to talking to the, the girls here. Um, kind of as like in a more of a business sense, but it's the same thing with you talk about metrics, like the lead metrics and the lag metrics. So typically most people focus on lag. Like the example you just said is like, hey, I want to lose X amount of weight. Well, yeah. you can track that metric, but if you say your goal is 30 pounds, well, that metric seems like an insurmountable hill to climb. Whereas like your lead metric could just be like, okay, I went for a walk today or I start whatever that could be. Yeah. Like I look at it like my lead metric is just to work out six out of seven day, like I three on one day off. And that's, I just follow that cycle. My goal is just to go out and do whatever it is. If I have to scale it, that's fine, but I complete it. That's like yeah. my goal. Yeah. And I said, but, but that is, I know by doing that, kind of like you said, if you follow this program, like you'll get to the end of, you'll get to the, the goal. But if you're focused on the goal and it's so far away, it's like, you know, I tell people like a, a a slow climb to a distant horizon. Like that's very manageable. Yeah, yeah. But if you're staring, staying at the bottom of white face, looking up, you're like <laughs> this is gonna be a hard hill to yeah, climb. You're yeah. like, okay, well let's back it up and now yeah. give you a couple days or weeks or months or years to get there. And you're yeah. like, Oh, that wasn't that bad. Yeah. So I think that the, the body fat one is, is cool because I, I agree if your body's changing and you're adding lean muscle and you're, you know, your, your body composition is fluctuating. Your weight doesn't fall like, yeah. You could gain weight as yeah. long as like at, at the end of the day, as long as like your mm-hmm. measurements and your body fat percentage and those things start to go down. Like does like if, if I told someone like, or like you said, is you told someone that was very lean, you had zero body fat, but we said you're going to weigh 10 pounds more. Would you care about the weight on the scale or that you look much better and perform much better? Like yeah. I'd rather, I, I'll be fine with that. Yeah, like yeah. everybody would take that trade right, off, right, but we focus sure. too much on that number on the yeah. scale, which is yeah. really for most, for most things overall is irrelevant. If you're really heavy, seeing that number goes down, obviously is very powerful. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and that's the other thing, like with this body composition stuff that we do, you know, when people start exercise training, you know, they may not lose a lot of weight, but they, if they start transforming, okay, I've got less body fat and more lean muscle mass. Those are huge improvements and the outcomes of their health. You know, we measure something called visceral fat. So that's the fat around, you know, the, the midsection and the organs. And if people have a level hot 10 or higher of visceral fat, that's a, they have a higher increased risk to develop type two diabetes and cardiovascular disease. And I always say it's easier to prevent the heart attack than to treat it. So it's easier to prevent those things. So when I saw what my visceral fat was, I'm like, oh my Lord. And I really, in one month, just tweak the needle a little bit once, you know, one or two degrees. And I wasn't spending more hours or minutes exercising. I was just more mindful of what that number was and where I wanted it to go. And it went down in one month. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. Well, when you look at numbers, like you just said, I, I had my blood work done when I was sick the other day cause yeah. I had been putting it off and the doctor was like, you should do it. So yeah, I said, yeah. Okay. I did it. So we had a meeting the other day and I, I like him. He's a good, he's good. kind of a younger guy. And, and so my two nut, bad ones were vitamin D which yeah. naturally like uh-huh. I'm Irish and I'm ghost yeah. and we live right. up here. So, exactly. and then my other one was my LDLs were too high, which is mm. the first time I've ever had a high cholesterol. Mm-hmm. And one of my things is I have, I know heart disease runs in my or heart disease, yeah. heart attacks run in my family. Yeah. And so that was also something where I looked at him like, and I told him I was on the thing. I'm like, listen, I actually have vitamin D supplement at home because mm-hmm. I've had it. I've never taken it. So I said, we'll start taking it tomorrow, which I did. And I've taken it every day since. Kudos. Um, and the other thing was I told him, cause this is kind of like, I think we're the same in this. I got a little pissed. I was like, <laughs> all right, I'm going to do a blood test in one year. That, that number's going to be like, all those numbers gonna be perfect. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he goes, do you want me to, I'm like, he goes, I can send yeah. it in now. We just schedule. I'm like, yeah, put yeah. the lab order in. Uh-huh. I'll get it done within the year. Uh-huh. So like, 
in my mind, like I already have a blood test ready to go in a year and that's like almost going to be a track. So I can't wait till that moment in a year. Cause I'm like, Oh, I'm going to start working out again. Right. And then I'm going to go take that blood test and you'd be like, honestly, your LDLs are like off the charts. Perfect. Yeah. Cause, and I know what it is. It's not like, I, I don't want to go. He's like, well, you know, you don't really need to be on medic. I'm like, I'm not taking medication. Like I know how to fix it. Like I'm basically, I'm being lazy mm-hmm. and not working mm-hmm. out and I'm not making good health choices. Right. I know how to do that. Therefore I'm going to do it. But in my mind, that was also something that hit me where I'm like, okay, that's just like, Galen, like, stop. You're just, it's unreal that this is actually showing up. Right. And it wasn't crazy high, but it was hot to the point where he had to at least tell me that it was high. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, no, yeah, one year. It, like, it's I'll enough of a scare to make you change your habit. And it was right? basically like, I'm going to show you. It had nothing to do with the doctor. It's more like, I'm going to show myself this. <laughs> Perfect. And, uh, but it, it was kind of like that deal. It was like, hey, listen, like that was enough motivation to say like, yeah. you know, screw you. I'll get that back down. Right. I'm like, and, uh, which is, is silly when you, when you think about it, but mm-hmm. like in the moment, it was almost like it went off. I was like, okay, done. Like I'll yeah. figure that out. Put yeah. that in now and I'll, in a year I'll see you. And yep. it'll be good. Yeah. And I think that, um, whether that's competitiveness, I mean, there's a level of competitiveness there, but it was, uh. But it's still the same thing. It's like you're, you're focusing on those lead metrics that are going to do the lag metrics. Like yeah. My lead metric, my lag metric is my LDL This in this case, but my lead metric is like, nope, I'm going to work out. I'm going to eat. I'm yeah. going to start. I haven't started stretching yet and mm-hmm. I haven't started eating at the, the trackable level that I used to. Yep. But in my mind, the one thing I've known about habits is that baby steps, like work out, right. scale, be right. fine. And then after a couple of weeks, start doing my, my eating or my stretching one of the two and then mm-hmm. I'll get into the next one. Yeah. So I do feel like in a year from now, I'm excited because I feel like I'm already making good progress. And it's been about a little bit less than a month. Yep. So I'm like, great. And then we just keep layering on. And then, as you know, so like, and if you go in a year from now, like a year is not that long, but you can do a lot of stuff in a year. Yeah. Just everybody wants to do it in one week right. and then they don't right, get right. the week too. So do you know what your LDL number is going to be in a year? I have no clue. You got to write it down, buddy. Oh, better. I don't even know what it is. He just said it was high. Oh, you got to know your number. I think he was like 10. Okay. Does that so make you, sense? No. Do you know the dumb numbers? It's probably not that. Okay. <laughs> Maybe it was ten over what it should be. That that could be okay. true. Okay. I don't know. That I don't know. The, I don't know what they actually track with but, that. But so you know, so like sure just like right result. here, you've got things written on a board, and yeah, focus on being productive instead of busy. So you that is something yeah. that's meaningful to you. Yep. So I would also encourage you in your head or somewhere in your journal, write mm-hmm. down what your number is going to be, and then say, I'm grateful that my LDL by you know, whatever, November of 2023 is going to be less than or whatever your number. So then you've already written it, you've imprinted it. Yeah, and like it's a visualization in, of yeah. it. Yeah. And now you're going to hold yourself accountable because you committed to it. Why? Well, yeah. As opposed to just saying, I'm going to be better. Like me, I'm going to lose some belly fat. Well, what's my number? Well, and, and yes, and, and I agree. In, in that scenario, the actual, I think the reason is the LDL, I'm not focused really on the LDL number. Because I know that that will just be wiped out with all the other kind of about right. the branches. Like true, I, true. Like to me, like I got to go down the root. The root was like my lack of poor health habits. Yep. But I'm like, if I can fix the poor health habits, like the LDL is one of the branches that will just fall along mm-hmm. with like aches and pains and things yeah, and being yep. sick. Yeah. So, but I do like that because I I do write every day. Like one of the journals I write says like kind of write. Um, it's like an affirmation, but one of the things that I've put I've been writing down is I am unrushed meaning I don't feel I used to have really high anxiety but I get this done did this done and I've I've done a very big change to the sense that I don't feel as rushed day to day I do I still have that problem day like here and there but overall day to day I can pretty much say that I do feel unrushed most of the time like I'm not like nervous about what I have to do after this and Mm -hmm. I, I feel a much more sense of calm which for me from a health perspective 
it's not going to show up on a scale, but on yeah. a mental standpoint, on a just huge. a relaxed standpoint, it's huge. Big time. And uh, so that's always something I've been I've been writing. I I actually put I'm unrushed, focused, and disciplined. Those are yeah. the three because those I know those things help me translate to stuff I want to do. Yeah, that's good. So I don't know, just it, like I said, it, whether it's mind games or whatever, I've, it works for me, so I'll take it. it but. It's uh, intentional language that that's yeah. helping you um, grow in the areas that you are meaningful. Yeah, and, yeah. And I think when you you break it down from the why, like typically, like my why is like wife and kids, and like you can find that all those habits, if you draw them back, will help you live. Basically, it's like can I be the best version of myself is what it really comes yeah. down to. But it's also more than just your yourself now as you get older. So yeah. But Elizabeth, we're gonna wrap this up. Um, if someone wants to get in touch with you, I know you said you have a very long wait list, but if you have any resources or anything, if someone needs you or anything that um, you could help someone out with, how do they get in touch with you? Cool. And where can they find you? Yep. So you can call Pearl PT. So 518-563-LUCKY7, mm-hmm. Um We also have a website with some resources on there. Um, another thing we started in our office um, as we were trying to help serve more people, find comfort in their function, um, we started... Um, or we created a recovery room. So we bought a lot of technology, cool technology where people can come and use the technology. So we have like a hydro massage bed and we have like Normatec devices and beamers that help the body feel better without needing a licensed provider. Um, because again, in general, in the whole spectrum of healthcare, there's not enough nurses, doctors, massage therapists, PTs, chiros, whatever in our community. Um, and people are hurting. So one thing that, that some people do is they'll call the office and they'll say, hey, I need, to, I need to hop on the hydro bed. Is it available? And we're like, yeah. And so they come in and they just pay a cash rate. They don't need an appointment. There's no doctors, referral, whatever. So that has been a really helpful thing for us and for people that are really hurting. Um, and again, it's hard for, for my front office when, when people call and they say, oh, I need to get in. And our next appointment isn't for a few months out. Um, so I'm, I'm really grateful for some tools and technology that we have that people can just access it without the need to see us. Um, and sometimes they can just get better with a little bit of that uh, holistic, you know, kind of care. Um, so they can call the office, um, go on Pearl Physical Therapy website. Um, we will have some really cool stuff in um, this summer of 2023 with our lifestyle medicine practice. And we are beyond excited to share that with our community. And if anybody wants to rubberneck, you're on what street? Yeah, we're on South Peru Street. All right. Yeah. So, um, and it's a cool little building, like I said. Yeah. Nice. Super fairly, fun. Fairly newish, right, for you? So, uh, gosh, I've been there about six or seven years. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think it was that long. But. Yeah. Yeah. And then we just started, um, you know, clearing trees and creating space for this new expansion. So I'm grateful for that. You know, and what I realized as I dug deep a little bit into the history of the building, that building many years ago was a church. Oh. And then uh, a physical therapist owned it when the airbase was in its heyday. And then Dr. Castine had it. So it went from a church to PT to a, a medical practice now into a lifestyle medicine. So I really feel super um, grateful for the history and the lineage in that practice. And, and I'm happy to serve people and on South Peru Street. So we'd love to uh, find others that share the same mission and help others on their journey. Awesome. Yeah. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, me. This yeah. was this was good. So um but that's it. Everybody we're gonna wrap it up. This episode two eleven of the Galen Trombley Show. We're out. Thank you for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share the episode. You can follow me on all social platforms at Galen Trombley. Thanks for listening.